One of the most amazing feelings I had in a pair was that semi-final with Das Tube. And we had this call, like, three or 400 in, breathe. It was basically like, just relax, just, just chill. Let the boat do some more work. The most profound feeling of efficiency I'd ever had because we were going, giving it some, giving it some, second place at this time. We did the breathe call and then we moved away from everybody else. And I was like, I'm doing less, I'm doing faster. This never happens in racing. Like, yeah. this is like what you dream of. I said to Stu, what do you want to do? Let's go. So we both went and then all of a sudden we're like moving further and further away. And then I was like, is this stupid? I think we should probably calm down. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Last Stroke Counts. Today's guest is an Olympian head coach of St. Andrews University Boat Club and a legend of rowing. Please welcome Alan Sinclair to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Still hammed you up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that- I, uh, <laughs> ask you not to. God, I can't with it. Uh, this- <laughs> I can't help myself, but thanks for having us. We're in yeah. St. Andrews. We're- yeah, yeah. This one would have happened a lot sooner if you live near us, but you don't. Um, but we knew we knew we always come up to Scotland um, last week of September uh, of August, first week of September. Come and fix eggs at St Andrews, Edinburgh. A few few people up here, so uh, it was an easy one to obviously come and see you where you are, rather than get you down to us. Yeah, um, well, the the podcasts are epic. The ones I've seen so far, um, like, I love watching Dave's one, um, John. And uh, yeah, the, the Alec Partridge's one is awesome. Do you like the bit at the end when Dave named you? Yeah, well, I, I, I text you like midway through watching yeah, a podcast and be like, this is so good. Dave, it's just, dude, I, I, I love seeing Dave in a podcast. I want to see more of this. And you said, have you, have you finished it yet? And I was like, no, I had no idea at all. And then, like, yeah, I was like, stunned that you would say that um i think we were on a yeah. job and i literally like showed pete the message like ah uh, he hasn't watched it all yet yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i'd have a different message and i was like fuck where's where's that come from um yeah yeah it's cool it's cool uh you don't often get to hear what other people think of you do but on the podcast sometimes you can kind of speak a bit more freely about someone it's quite nice actually because you i'm sure for dave had an idea we must have discussed that you were watching it so he's kind of new you were seeing it and like you can kind of say some something that you wouldn't say to someone's face yeah but you can kind of let them know which i think yeah. is pretty cool yeah um but to get to you so obviously <clears throat> we'll just go for a few things a few of the highlights of your career um first first gb vest in 2013 um we we started out in leander together in 2007 so i think that's one thing i want to talk about sort of how you keep on going in the face of, of disappointment for many years um, and, and then kind of turn up with this career that, that took off from 2013, Senior Worlds in 2013, 5th, uh, 2014 in the pair. I can't remember where you came there. In what? Sorry, in 2014. 14 was the Cox pair. That was Cox silver. pair, silver. Yeah. Yeah, 2015, bronze and four minus. 2016, uh, Rio Olympic Games in the pair with Stu. Uh, 2017, uh, seventh in the eight, uh, 2018 bronze in the eight, uh, and then 2019 did do a few races, but that's sort of where your where your career came to an end. So I think that's amazing as a as a back half of a career. Um, I sort of compare it to mine. I sort of did everything up until 2014, and then I checked out. So uh, uh, it's kind of it'll be interesting to compare those things. Um, but as we always start with with most guests, is, is how did you get into rowing? Uh, 
my dad. My dad, he co-founded um, Inverness Rowing Club. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I did, I did a load of sports as a kid, um, football. I was really into aggressive inline skating. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I've spoken that, about that to anybody really in rowing, but yeah, I, was, I did that for years. I absolutely loved it. Is that like um, on the track? No, like like oh, doing like rails, wraps, like proper skating. Um, uh, yeah, proper skating. Nice I sound like I'm cool now. Um, <laughs> definitely not cool. Um, yeah, and I did football at school. I was always in goals, though, because I was rubbish at running and um, whilst hitting a ball. And, uh, yeah, my dad co-founded him Rest Rowing Club and... Um, yeah, he brought me down a few times to the uh, Sunday afternoon when I was at a loose end and said, get out in a boat and have a go at it. And I don't know what, um, it didn't really appeal to me to begin with, to be honest. I didn't, I didn't, I certainly didn't jump in and think this is epic. Mm. Um, but I liked that it was different. And I mean, if I think out loud a little bit now, comparing it to inline skating i kind of liked that because no one else was really doing it at that time mm. there's no, none of my friends were doing it it was kind of different and cool it was my cousins in canada that did it a little bit and um so i think maybe rowing was a little bit like that no one else did it like the next person um to my age in a Renes rowing club was 30 years older than me so wow. it's all they're all veterans um but Epic Club, just super supportive, like never at any point did I feel like I shouldn't be there or not welcomed. I was just, um, they were happy to have me there and supported me every every time I was down there. So, um, yeah, I remember going out in the single a few times and just been like, yeah, it's actually kind of cool. Went for a few races, got absolutely smashed. Um, That's how everyone starts. Got, got um, I was one of those kids that was like, like I'm not. I'm wearing like a, a vest and some shorts. That kid next to me is wearing a light car. That's why he's going fast. Or he's using a a shiny new boat, and I'm using an old Glen Lock. Um, that's why they're going fast. So it took me a long time to appreciate the fact that you need to work hard and be competitive. I, I wasn't naturally competitive at all. Um, so, so you so you're saying that good rowing stash doesn't make you go any faster in a boat. <laughs> I mean, maybe roguier stuff would. <laughs> <laughs> haven't tried it on yet, so I couldn't say. Um, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll arrange that. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, it doesn't. I, uh, but yeah, I, I got into it after, uh, got more into it when I did some races and went to a training camp with George Watson's college. Uh-huh. Um, I think their coach, Jim Ferguson, took pity on me being the only junior in the, in the Highlands. Uh, who was rowing so he said he'd come out to Hazard Winkle do a training camp and then I was like this is epic when you're doing it with people the same age as you mm. um, so I got a bit more of the bug then and um, my first race I didn't win anything until like it was two two and a bit years maybe and it was generation double skulls with my dad at, nice. at like Clydesdale Sprint Regatta yeah um, I remember him Give me a ball looking halfway down the, the race, telling me to get I was he was in the strokes, yeah, I was in the virus. He was still quite fit. Like he was still pretty fit for for his age at that time. Um and he was shouting at me, get out of the bush. I was steering us into the bank. Um I didn't know how to pull order on one side because I was so weak. Um but yeah. And yeah, so I went to a few junior races, but I was always like horizon job, 
compared to the guys that win the win the race. And uh, but it kind of didn't didn't really bother me. I guess I learned how to lose and learned how to not get faced by it because it happened all the time. Mm. Um, I still like it. I, I think I I hated racing, um, but I enjoyed training and then enjoyed getting a little bit better each time and not really knowing what better was, but feeling like I was, whether it was maybe like having 10 strokes in a row with a blade hadn't hit the water so yeah. bad or <clears throat> whether it was, I don't know, square blades or something like that. Um, Just creating your own challenges. Yeah. Which I yeah. think is super important in rowing. Like we were having a conversation today about the different ways that people make an, in, an erg interesting, you know, how some people count and some people break it down this yeah. way or I'll get to this 500 and then it's only 2k and then after that 2k then it's 10k and I remember Webby telling me he just counts up to 50 and down to zero again yeah so I remember you're, you're a murderer that, yeah. you're yeah. like you're insane <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing yeah so yeah. I think that's that's a good skill to have yeah yeah well, I don't I don't think I, I never saw a skill or I never I don't I don't think it's me looking back now in the memory of what I think I was doing but um it wasn't until I went to <clears throat> university in Aberdeen where, and it was, I went to Aberdeen because of them. It was Colin um, and Charlie Simpson, um, their coach at the time, brought the Aberdeen University men's eights to Inverness in a training camp. And um, I I was asked if I'd sub into their crew for a day because one of their guys couldn't make it. And um, I, uh, Charlie's. I don't know if you know Charlie Simpson. He's he, he works at Brooks, the name. Um, so like amazing um, sports scientist. Um, and uh, yeah, he had, he had back in then. I'm sounding really old now, but this is when heart rate monitors were pretty like uncommon. Mm -hmm. And he had these ones that were like just a strap, and it was a Bluetooth or something that connected kept the memory. But he was tracking all these guys in on the water. Mm -hmm. And anyway. Did this session? I had a great time. Like just just UT two, up and down twice. It was like twenty k or something. Um, and Charlie said he was trying to give at the time he he was trying to get me to go lightweight. And I was like, I'm like seventy three kilograms, and I'm like seventeen, and I'm still growing height. I don't think there's any chance I'm staying lightweight for very long. Um, but he said after he messaged my dad an email afterwards and said, yeah, Alan's definitely. Um, uh, it shows promise, and when I, he meant promises, I think it was more just he he really likes rowing and he enjoys it because his heart rate was over 180 from the first five minutes for two hours, nice. and um, so everyone else is in like in the low 140s, and I just sat and just pulled my nut off the whole <laughs> way through this session, and all the guys and Colin included he still laughs about the fact that it's Colin Williams, yeah, and he yeah. was in that crew, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I really I got on with those guys so well, and I was like, I'm just I'd love to go there because I'm, it's a good university. But that was the thing that sealed it for me. Mm -hmm. So I went there, and then um, actually accidentally walked in on a meeting, which was basically signing up to like I don't know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen sessions a week or something. Um, I thought it was actually like come join the club, like here's an introduction to what's happening. But um, and yeah, I just got I got the bug even more then because it was like a squad of guys um, with a common goal of trying to make a boat go fast. And um, yeah, so I fell asleep in every single nine o'clock lecture for my first semester and nice. did terribly. So um, definitely don't take that advice. All the students that I'm sure will be watching this that I 
coach definitely don't um, learn from my example balance. Um, yeah balance. balance get that right I was very lucky to um, come out the other side of it but yeah if I did it again I definitely would have got things right I think probably wouldn't have chosen the subject I chose but mm. um, that said I, I was given an opportunity and I, I ran with it so um, yeah that's what got me into the sport really I think uh, Aberdeen and then went to Leander what success yeah. at Aberdeen or no like I did home international regatta yeah. um, what year was that what do you mean 2005 no that's why I think it was yeah I'm old I'm old I was there in 05 in Strathclyde is it Strathclyde is it no so no, no, it was five or six. Is it was six? Maybe? No, oh five was Wales, the first one in Cardiff Bay. Yeah, I was there in the junior team. I was okay, a J- I was. No, I was. I was, was, was here before. It was. Um, yeah, it was oh six. Sorry, it was Strathclyde Park. Was my first one with Aberdeen there, Close. and the, like, in the same year they had the Commonwealth Champs there as well. Yeah, so I got like silver there for that, but um, which was cool in the cups four. But um, but no, like my my. I guess the thing that happened at Aberdeen for me was going to race at Henley and that as well as the kind of getting the camaraderie being a, a kind of uh, squad of guys with a common goal it was it was um, racing at what I still believe to be the biggest and the best regatta in the world it's pretty special like nothing compares to it mm. um, and I just, I just fell in love with it from the first time I went down the booms and um I was desperate to to try and be the first person across the line on Sunday, um, but I knew after. So I, I got to the semi-finals when I was in Aberdeen yeah. um, in the Brit. Um, but yeah, the guys moved on. One lad is doing medicine, so his degree probably took over. And then um, yeah, so I did a year in Aberdeen, kind of player manager situation, trying to get the. Um, the guys that were there to go well and just like making the most of it. But Colin that year went down to Leander. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he phoned. I remember I so easy, like it's so vivid in my head this this phone call because he uh, I was in the middle of studying for exams. I think it was his, yeah, it must be springtime. I was at my desk and it was pissing down with rain outside. And he calls me out of the blue and I was like. Um, how you doing? What's what's going on? And he said, "Yeah, I just got funny. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sat on the on the grass opposite Temple Island, um, just done like twenty five k for the day. Um, I'm in my shorts and t shirt. I was like fleece trousers. Like just been wearing a hat outside that day. It's horrible weather. And he's like, um, he basically phoned up to tell me, look, I, I want you to know that um, we all thought Leander was really tough to get into." And it is, but you're not like outside of what that that kind of mm. level is at. And if you wanted to, I reckon you could do it. And um, and this wasn't just planting a seed in my head. This was like driving it home and fertilizing <laughs> it and nurturing it. It was all in one go. And I was like, ah, shit. Well, I guess I'm doing that. I can't. I, I desperately want to. After hearing how funny had. Um, a time of the winter season at Leander's first year him saying to me maybe I could do it I would far rather go down and be told I wasn't good enough 
and then be like, right, cool, well, I tried. And then yeah, yeah. I know that was where my limit was. Then then forever wonder. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I was like, well, if, I, if I'm going to get a, the chance at a Henley medal, that's going to be the best place to get it. Mm. Um, and if he's given me a, basically a, a nod that maybe you can get in, that, that's me doing it. So, yeah, a few months later... Um, did Henley with an averaging crew that that summer, but by that point I was already decided I'm going to go try and go to the Ander and um, lies about the Erger score. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at the time again, this is me showing my age. Um, at the time, I think it was you had to be under six twenty if you're not under twenty three. Mm. I think I'd done a six twenty four twenty five, but I was like. I'm gonna have to just say six twenty, and then like if I if I make it when the time to do it, then yeah. sweet. If I don't, then like again, I'm not gonna get a better chance of yeah. of doing this. So, um, yeah, I'm a resting Lavinia and think to myself, I really hope she doesn't send a asked to, to send an Ergo screen yeah. picture, but she didn't. And then back then, it wasn't a, people didn't do it as much. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I so, remember yeah. the year before, so 2007, my last year at school, I went for a trial weekend at Leander. Um, Ted Bainbridge coached me. It's a bit weird. They were just like, "Come down, have a go, go out in a couple, of, you know, get in a single. We'll like, have a look at you, see, see if you, see if we want to give you a place." And I went in the dorm and I stayed in the same bed. And in the bed that you slept in the dorm was Colin slept in that bed. Yeah, that exact same bed. Like, that's well, like, next to the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't, I didn't like. Obviously, as like a scared little kid, like had a couple words and whatever. Didn't say much else. Just a Scottish guy was sleeping next to him in the dorm, and he was big and scary. So I <laughs> stayed intimidating. Stayed away from him, and uh, and then I turned up the next year, like when I turned up, and then you were there, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not the same <laughs> Scottish guy. <laughs> we've been, we've been like you know, um, yeah. Lots of people have mistaken us for each other. Both of us were working as a. Um, as doormen in Aberdeen, we were both in the university. <laughs> yeah. And the, the other guys we'd work with would always get our names mixed up. And I'm like, I know we're of similar heights, but we look quite different. Yeah. Like, I, I'm in my opinion, uh, but maybe not. Um, yeah, this, um, my first visit to, when I first arrived at Leander was another funny one because I, I met Owen. Yeah. Um, Colin was the one showing me into the building. Yeah. Um, and Owen Davies, I guess the guys who, who in our generation will remember him, um, absolute legend. Um, now a doctor, but he went in the Marines. But anyway, he he was um, he was the only person in the dorm. Yeah, I I was the first person to arrive from this yeah. new intake. That Colin shows me in, and he's obviously just had a a night out um, at four, and he's he gets out of his bed bullet naked and could walk straight up to me shakes my hand and i think i think he might even embrace me as well like giving me a hug and, yeah, he is. and i was like am i moving in like to this, is this is this normal and i got i wasn't like you were young yeah. i was 22 or 21 22 um when i yeah i was 21 i think but I was still like, and he was younger than me, and I was like, "Have I been like so isolated living in Scotland? This is what happened in England." 
but I guess I'll go with it because I'm here now. <laughs> it's just yeah. Yeah, yeah, just did not have a problem with uh, nudity, did it? No, not at all. Oh, that was mental, that dorm. There's not that many beds in there now. When we had it, it was like 12. I think it was like 12 people in, yeah. in this room. Yeah. And it's there's there was like four that weren't bunks. Yeah. So it's a small room. Yeah. It fucking it's it, dunk. Yeah. Well, you, when you're in it and you're that age, you don't notice it. But I, I would hate it to be a cleaner in in the I remember time because it must have been horrible. Poor Mars. Yeah. I remember early on, like I remember turning up and thinking, like, I know I'm a skinny little kid and I've not got the biggest hair and this is going to be tough. And then the Matt Allen, that absolute unit of a guy, yeah. sub six beast. He was the first guy I bumped into. Yeah. Jesus. Then I remember a few weeks later watching Colin like pull 9k on the half hour. Yeah. And Colin was like, yeah, good. I was like, oh, what the hell? How, how am I going to do this like, under pressure? I vividly remember you getting an infection in your hand. Yeah. That and, happened. and being like, oh my God, like, that's just like the worst thing that could happen. Like, yeah. right. We're all freaking out about this selection thing. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I was like, I was like, I just remember thinking it couldn't be a worse time to get injured or, you know, get have an injury or, you know, yeah. hand or whatever. And then for the rest of my career, sort of then over time realizing that there's no, there's never a good time. No, there's it's, never a no, yeah. no. I ended up getting in the same thing at the same time two years in a row. So like it was when I first started, um, it was like maybe this, the second week or something. And it was uh, obviously a, a, a blister underneath a callus. And it just ended mm. up getting infected. So, um, sort your blisters out. No, um, but the um, yeah, it got infected, and it bit happened on like a Saturday, and then there is no like GP open on, a Saturday, on the weekend. So I had the whole Sunday of this thing getting more and more inflamed. Yeah, I ended up going to the um, Irish Bowers, not Irish Bowers, the uh, that like the little clinic in Henley thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they gave me antibiotics. It was literally the exact same week, like the same day of the week as well that happened. Probably like um, the first week you start picking up other people's handles, you've yeah, got bad blisters. Well, I think it was just because the mileage, like I had yeah. done ever done that much mileage and sculling. We were all in singles at that stage. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was, I was, I was pretty stressed, but I wasn't like thinking they'll chuck me out because of this. It was more just like, oh, I don't want to upset anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a crazy year. So like how, how was that step up then? How did, how did you find that, that that first winter there? It hit me like a ton of bricks. I loved it. I just I was just like, this is so cool. Like everybody just grafting, like going out in the water and like you're basically battle paddling all the time. Like whether it looked like you were or not, like it was always like if someone in the single next to you, you're like, I'm not letting him pass me. And number of times that Dave Bell and I were just just tear chunks out of each other all the way up the track just to get a little bit in front. And then it, it would never, contrary to what it's like at Cavisham, when it was always like, who can turn the quickest and get a little edge? It was always very gentlemanly in the turns. It was like, right, go. And then we're going to paddle off together again. And then straight back into bash, thrashing it down. Um, Satch would sometimes get involved, but he would always have to be half a length up always yeah he could he couldn't be level yeah um so i always prefer to do it with day because just yeah um but yeah um and then yeah ergo like i ended up uh thankfully um within those first six weeks was a 2k test 
I think I did it. Uh, I think it was like a six fifteen or sixteen. I think it was. I think it was that. Um, and then but it was it was a rate cap one to begin with, mm. and I was like, shit, training's obviously working. Mm. Um, and then, uh, but there was still that kind of. And Nico was the first person to get dropped. Um, Nico, he listens. He messaged me. Did he? Yeah, yeah, shout nice. out to Nico. Yeah, yeah he'll be listening. Legend. Um, I swear, like, it's like every year I'll message him and say, we need to hang out. And it's been like a decade now. And it feels like... I've done the same thing with Ollie Cook, like, yeah. since... Because we, we did the pair my last year in the team. And, like, so it's now, like, eight years we've been, like, we, let's get a coffee and yeah. then you never do and that's one of the best things about this podcast is I get to go and speak to people who you just yeah. you just feel like oh, I've got to work I've got this to do but this kind of is work so it's like it's such a good excuse to sit yeah. down and just chat yeah that's awesome so yeah so then that that your first year uh, was it like obviously you were initially involved in the Ken Thames group and then got pulled out of it mm-hmm. and then <clears> you know we went and won and then the latest plate went and won and then you didn't. Was that difficult? Were you not bothered? Was it like just fuel for the fire for next year? At the time, it was really hard. Like yeah. I find it um, because I'd been in that crew with you guys for the majority of the year. It was literally yeah. until after eight. What was it? Uh, you did eight, eight, eight head in yeah, the crew, yeah. Eight head. And we that was epic. That was one of my favorite eight heads. Because um, we started like 250th or something it was yeah. in the 200s and we came yeah. eighth or ninth ninth yeah um, i think we overtook 20 crews yeah so we started 10 back in our division so we overtook yeah. 10 crews closed the gap around the from like barnes to hammersmith and then overtook 10 more crews before we hit the bottom yeah i don't even i don't even remember we it. didn't win our uh, event i don't think well only because we had to overtake 20 crews <laughs> yeah I remember Chrissy, I remember in the race being absolutely fucking done. Just done. I remember in my head, I remember passing about three or four, three or yeah. four crews. And then afterwards, we finished. And Chrissy's like, oh my God, we overtook 20 crews. <laughs> I was like, when? Yeah. What the hell? I was, yeah. in, I was in a world of pain. Yeah, same. <laughs> Were you stroking it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was stroking yeah. it. Um, that was awesome fun. But yeah, no, I I was I found that uh, yeah, I just got a great bond with those guys. And then when I was told that you'd have to step up because early in the season I had been given a seat race or a pairs matrix with like Gozzi and Clive and all yeah. that lot. And I didn't do well enough, so I think because I think I did half decent in single stuff. So they thought, well, let's see. Mm. Um, so I think in that matrix stuff, uh, Randolph did well enough. Peter Randolph, and then. Um, I think even even uh, Richard Rick Francis might have done it, yeah. might have gone up. But anyway, um, I came down and did the Thames Cup, and I was like, "Sweet, love these guys." Like, got on so well with them. Everybody was just uh, great to be around. Brian is great, mm. and yeah, I just love that project. Like going to Ghent, um, that was so cool, and. Even though we yeah, didn't quite get the results we wanted, sometimes it was, I just I just loved the the day-to-day stuff with it. And then, yeah, getting pulled out. I don't even remember how it happened. I don't even remember the conversation when Brian said that I won't be in it. <clears throat> I think it might have been Ben or someone that came and told me. that it was. I think they tried to soften the blow by saying, you're coming up rather than you're not allowed to do Thames Cup. But the reality was basically, yeah, you're not. Yeah. 
you're not going to win Henley this year because um, uh, I'll be in the higher higher grades um, category I guess but um, no I was frustrated and I, I did I desperately wanted you guys to win um, and when you did I was like damn it like mm. that could have been me getting a, a red box and that's all I like all I came down here for was to win Henley like that was the, the main thing I didn't really I didn't have any aspirations beyond a Henley win so when you did that I was like oh, man, I've got I've got to stay on next year to do it because I know I'm at the standard to win Henley now yeah <clears throat> just means I have to go a bit further to get hopefully get an intermediate medal um, but I yeah I, I definitely struggled and then the next year though like we had ladies plate group and that was epic as well yeah that, and that eight was fast yeah yeah Honestly, I don't think I've been in an eight that was that well drilled um, to date. Like there was never any crew where I was like, we could do an outside arm only, square blades, feet out, and still paddled at half decent speeds, and blades never touched in the water. And it was just like, um, yeah, it was just really, really well drilled, but. Uh, we learned the hard way when it comes to actual racing that all that stuff doesn't really matter. We got we got the semi final against Brown yeah. and they just dealt a big punch um, off the start and we were flustered and um, I remember thinking this isn't supposed to this isn't in the script. We're like supposed to be the best domestic crew in the country. We've just like one met by like twenty seconds or something, half a length behind the the German national team in uh, Ratsburg mm. and they were like smashing the World's Cup races and I was thinking what's what's going on are, are we holding a break or what's like how are we getting this so wrong and obviously all those thoughts are the things that take away from what you need to do in the middle of a race when you get into a proper busted up mm. fight and yeah so that that struggle again with like getting over that and knowing that again we were good enough but we, that was a mistake we made a mistake. There. That was the year when I was in the business for, so I didn't make the end. We had a business for, and it didn't go very well at all. And uh, we got knocked out in the first round, and it was just a struggle the whole time. And uh, the whole time on camp, we had you guys just chasing us down, and it didn't matter how far ahead they let us out, you guys would just take the bit and come and get us. And it yeah. was just, it was brutal. And if I hadn't gone and done under 23s, yeah, I think that would have been like a tough season yeah. to deal with. Yeah. Like, I always had, like, felt like so lucky, like we discussed with Dave, but like, just always had that little tidbit at the end of the season. There was something for me mm. to keep me going, keep me going, keep me interested. That's interesting. You know, again, we spoke about it. You, you, did, you didn't, you kind of just missed out here, fell short there, not you on your own, but you know, as a crew. And like, that's what I think and that's interesting. Like how, how did you deal with that? Um, you just wanted I that guess, Henley medal. It well, was that you'd, you'd made, you've made a name in your head. I think I, I was thinking, because obviously you, you mentioned to me before, like we had did the podcast, that that was kind of the theme that you wanted to kind of dive into. And I had a bit of time thinking about it. When I look back and um, think about goal setting and mm. or not cheering goals, I think it was actually because I didn't set goals. I think I um, I wanted to do, I, I really liked it. It was a desirable thing to achieve, but I was more attached to what I was doing day to day and I was more attached to can I do this session well can I be a bit better today and I, maybe not because I, ultimately you can't really control like 
weeks and months into the future, you can just do. This is me rationalizing what yeah, yeah. my mindset was there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, although I was devastated and then it was like hard to come to terms with um, not winning that year after I put two years of hard graft into it, like there was so many of the things that Leander gave to me that I wouldn't otherwise get. So um, the the kind of ethic and, and working hard, the, um, the support of each other, like competition but respect at the same time um like people were gunning for each other's seats but you were going up to the crew room and having having chats and tearing each other a new one when it comes to um the tech reviews on the on the saturday morning or whether it's like hearing about someone doing something stupid and the last saturday night night out like it, it was it was such a good environment to be around and learning from people. Um, do you remember we used so to I tell Ray Potter used to get so drunk enough that he couldn't remember what he'd done? So on yeah. Monday we'd just tell him stuff that he'd never done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ray. And he's like, Ray, do you, do you don't remember punching that girl in the face? <laughs> he's like, Oh no, what have I done? <laughs> Ray, you absolutely lamped her, mate. He did some stuff that was probably on a par with that. So I saw so him. Was, year, you'd understand it's true. I saw him year before last at Henley. Um, he introduced me to his new uh, girlfriend partner at the time. He's married now, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they were married then. But yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, maybe engaged. And uh, how's things? How are you going? Yeah, good, good. He's like, are you going out tonight? It was Saturday night. It's like, no, I'm, I'm not. Um, I've been out to see some people, but I'm not, I'm not going out tonight. Are you going out? And he's like, ah, oh, probably, oh, maybe for a few, maybe for a few. And I was like, ah, oh, not like you used to, Ray. I've got some stories. And like I said to him, I've got some stories about Ray. And he like grabbed me. And he was like, don't you know? Yeah, he was like, no. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I could see the fear in his eyes. I was like, I'm not going to tell her, Ray. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> How is she not going like, here's my number, tell me something. Yeah. Uh, it's like no, I've managed to keep it from her. What a, what a fucking what nut. I used to be. Yeah, what a nutter I was. Uh, <laughs> it was gin. That was his his, his like poison. Like yeah. if, you, if Ray was on gin, you would you have to anticipate there being some form of violence. I don't like, remember having to not to lay into him too much, but having to drag him away from the police. So he's got kicked out of the spoons, and then he's arguing with the police outside. And I'm like, saw out the windows. Like, oh god. And I ran outside and the police are explaining to Ray, like, if you don't go home now, we're going to give you an exclusion order and yeah. you can't come into Henley. He's like, but I live here. I live in Henley. You can't exclude me. <laughs> I was like, Ray, let's just go. And they said, just get rid of him. Like, let's go, let's go. Like dragged him around the corner and they finally like calmed down. I was like, where's this He's like, oh, okay, I'll go to the pub. And I just walked off to another pub and I was like, okay, hey, I'm out. <laughs> And no, yeah, he, he's an absolute savage. I guess it makes sense being in that atmosphere at Leander. You you kind of don't want to leave. It doesn't really matter what the result is. Yeah, you said yourself that you enjoyed tr enjoyed training way more than racing. Uh, would you say that that was also a factor? In what? In Staying. developing that resilience. I guess, like, you know, pushing through, uh, you know, like Tom said, like getting close to, to getting medals, but not actually sometimes. Yeah, I, um... I think yeah, I think it was. I guess my my gold dust to get to to eventually achieving what I did, and rowing is one of those sports where I think more than any other sports, the more you put in, the more you get out. 
um, there's a large element of luck and fortune with it, and um, the coin can drop either side for anybody. And I, although I, yeah, I agree, there's like times where it could be quite easily look at my career and go, oh, it was unfortunate, it's unfortunate. But like the stuff you're reeling out at the start, I'm like, I'll, I was pretty fucking lucky. Um, I, and I don't take it for granted. Like I was really, really fortunate to to be a relatively robust athlete. To, um, yeah, to to not be, um, to not be kind of ever overly focused on a outcome. And so, yeah, I guess I didn't latch myself onto it and didn't get so emotionally drained by uh, an outcome that it then had a knock-on effect on the next year or how I behaved. I just kept on yeah. going. So I've heard the story on this podcast about you having to pull out of being selected for a race because of uh, breaking your foot whilst playing football. And you tried to avoid an injury by going in a goal. Would you mind telling what happened? It was actually my leg. My leg got broken. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, well, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm um, splitting hairs here, but um, it was my fibula. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was playing outfield because... But this, uh, is, this is after you've now been selected for your first GB vest. I hadn't been selected. Oh, okay. I, we were training for the European champs. So yeah. I'd, this is after I've just won um, Henley with John Collins in the double. Yeah. Awesome year. Loved it. Uh, a great time with him. Oh, we got to briefly say then how was that to get that red box in? Oh, um, yeah. So it was the it was the quad. It was eventually there was like it was the quad two first, two years out. So I did the eight um, in '09. Then I did a visitors four. We got to the final, um, but that was the year when Andy Holmes was supposed to be in it, but he got a rib yeah. rib fracture um, in Banyolas, and then we had to have someone else in, and he was still good. It was in ex-Czech and J- Jacob uh, yeah, Jacob's off yeah I'm yeah. still friends with him yeah. on Facebook you? yeah randomly it just <laughs> popped up the other day because my wife's Czech I remember yeah. Um, but yeah he yeah so we got to the final and got beaten by some lightweights which is as you know mm. they were pretty good quite though. hard to hit uh, hard to take but yeah they were good they were really good um, so yeah the following year I decided to go sculling and did the quads and yeah that was epic just and it, I, I knew going into Henley there was no way we wouldn't, wouldn't win because it, we we were going to mess it up. It wasn't that we weren't good enough mm. and that absolute certainty. Um, and then none of us in the crew um, were going to let us not win, if that makes sense. John and I hadn't got Henley medal. John had got be- been beaten by you to yeah. a foot. And then I think he was in the, it was another race that was close, wasn't he? And he eventually conceded to go in Leander and then he... Uh, yeah, I was in the boat with him, and yeah, it felt it felt so good. Felt yeah, just as I hoped it would. Um, and then yeah, so the following year, um, that, because it felt so good, I was like, I want to do that again. Yeah, and that was that was epic, and um, I feel like I'm just just starting to realise how to make some gains and mm-hmm. how to maybe sculling is my thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, I was on the big year. So I was like, well, it's also that if we do go really well, maybe I'll be kind of given a shot at trials or something. Um, I did, did go to final trials, but yeah, I wasn't good enough. Um, I think I was probably um, two guys down from the, the standard of getting into the team as a spare. Um, Which is not far at all. 
No, no, it's not making it. But I, but it was, it was great to be able to watch Will, like, not out of nowhere because obviously down in twenty threes, but like this um, ginger kid who I rode with in my first Fours Heads crew with you, Dave Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, that was another, that's another like awesome one of race. that's like literally the first photo on my face like i just got facebook and then i had a leander we were talking about this the other day i i didn't have any leander kit and dave bow said he could i could borrow his Le pink leander short sleeve yeah. and it stank like he hadn't washed it his stank of bo but i was like i'm not <laughs> not watching it there's a photo i've got a photo of me and satch from the bow of that yeah even me and satch we polished up the rigors on it, it was yeah, yeah knackered yeah. old aliens yeah, yeah i couldn't believe they put me in a boat with you three yeah no i loved it i, I remember thinking at the when we first um, went with Will, that um, uh, I spoke to Colin afterwards, and he was doing well that year. He was in one of the better crews. I'm not sure if it was a quad or if it was a four, but I think he said, oh, what did you bring a Satch? And I think at the time, the thicker and more senior guys didn't race him at all. I remember saying to Colin, I was like, mate, this, this kid is... He's got a bottomless pit of energy. That's like, what it was. Yeah, and I, I, I spent the entire session because he was, I was in the three seat, he was in the two seat. You were by, mm. and I remember saying most of the time, just, hey, just chill, just chill. Don't, don't work so hard. It's actually making us go slower. You've got, you've got. I know you got more beans, but just trying to spread it. And um, yeah, I remember saying to Colin, like, when he works out how to do this, he's going to be lightning fast. I remember Colin you, was like, nah, nah, nah. I remember you winding him up. Like I remember <clears throat> one year at Boston Trials, like we'd we'd all been doing our two KO prep, such as on for like sub six oh five or something. We're still quite young. This is it's probably like the first year we probably trialed like oh nine or something like that. And then like we got to Boston and warming up, and I think you were just like, ah, I bet you probably can't go sub six oh, can you? Or something. You just like some off the hand comment, and then he just does it. Yeah. And it's like I always just remember this guy just like doesn't know what he's got. Yeah. And like if you just tap, if you could. He can just do what he's told to to place. He, and I feel like that was it from, obviously me and him when came under 23 together, we we're doing the pair together from my back went and then he went up into the team and like sometimes I, I, my parents would be like, oh, you know, imagine if your back hadn't gone and, and you'd gone into the team with Will and that's like, yeah, but you didn't see what happened when Will got in the team. Like he got into the senior team and then he just fucking went yeah. again. Like yeah. just like you said, like it wasn't from nowhere, but that, that run up to 2012 yeah. fucking hell that guy took off yeah it was like it wouldn't matter if i got in with him yeah he just disappeared yeah exactly. and i remember i chased him so much like erg scores i'd always be like chasing him and i'd get my erg score close to him and then boom yeah he's gone again and then i'm shaking trying to get to will trying to get yeah. Like, yeah i'm nearly with will but he's yeah. gone again yeah he always had a nudge like it's just an incredible athlete incredible guy but he um yeah i remember uh yeah, trials. There's another story with um, funny one. Me, Dave, and Will had stayed at Dave's house. Um, do you remember that one? <laughs> I, I can't. I can't remember which year that was, but would it have been the ladies' plate year? That I did the ladies' tail nine. I don't know. Anyway, could have been. Yeah. Um, we turned up uh, because we were staying at Dave's dad's house. Mm. And it was like an hour's drive away from Boston because we were we were really cheap at the time. We were like, we don't want to pay yeah. for accommodation, especially when Dave's dad's happy to keep us up, put us up. Um, so we're driving in for this ergo and ended up being in, in, in jammed in traffic. So we arrive and Dave's literally got 
like 15 minutes from when he arrives to getting on the machine to starting his test. Um, and he, he cracks out. Uh, he gets a decent score. But he was going really well um, prior to that. But um, obviously, he's not going to go as well as he should have done. I was up next. Uh, I maybe had 45 minutes. And I got six... I'm not sure if it was 6.10. I think it was... The, yeah, the 6.10 was a cutoff. I think we got 6.10 or 6.10.1. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, and then Will had a half-decent one because he had a like a another hour before his one. But the next day, the morning of the, the trial, um, you know, Leander coaches, they have like a full squad kind of briefing before the set, before the race, and they tell you what to do. Everyone's got the same, like distance per stroke and like stay in the middle don't go off too hard all that kind of like fairly standard chat um and maybe something kind of to energize people and so we're all like cool sweet um and then just as it like breaks up chris calls the three of us over and he just tears us a new one just says like you guys are just yeah, I can't believe you disrespected the club and like you've 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 made a mockery of it. Alan, you're lucky you're allowed to race today. It's only because um Shep's letting you do it because you're so close. But I'm so disappointed in all three of you. Um uh get your shit together, this that, and the other. And um I remember walking away from it being furious, just like why would you do that now? Like we're just just getting ready to the boat and now I'm I feel like ass. I feel terrible that and obviously we didn't do it on purpose. We were stuck in traffic. We didn't get a word in. Um so we get on the water and I at this point I, w- I went through like ten minutes worth of the being angry and then I was like, I just don't care. Don't care. Just don't care. And um we're on, on the water at the start and Will was like tell he was tense as well. Um, but in his way, mm. and he was like thumping the blade in, and he says he was he's younger saying to me, um, and he he'll when he gets to the podcast he might mention it, but because he loves, um, the two of us talk about it and how it was funny because, um, he he said what do I do, Alan? I'm just, I don't know what to do. And I said basically like just 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 don't work as hard at the front just go light at the front and then swing your back it was something like that it was basically just take your foot off the gas mm. relax mm. you're fine and he went off and did a burst and it looked completely different and then he was like okay yeah i got it um so anyway go, go down the race and i'm like going off pretty near the back because i'm just made just being allowed to go in um and uh I've still got this like don't care attitude. I'm should have should have hurt my legs. Besides, I should have hurt my legs today. That's like uh, f Chris Carlton. Like he can just go and do one. Um, they don't care. And I overtook like two crews, two two singles, and then I was gaining on Roger, uh, Roger Ewing, Ewing. and uh, but I wasn't catching as fast as I thought I should be. So I was like working harder, harder, harder. Eventually go past him and someone else before the finish line. Um, and then I came in and I was like still miserable, got the boat off the water, D-Ray, put it on the trailer. And I was in the top shop putting it down. And I see all of a sudden everybody's flocking over to the boathouse because back then you didn't have Results. online stuff. It was just straight on the piece of paper and everyone flocks around this one A4 <laughs> piece of paper. Um, and I was, uh, I was hoping to get away before I saw the results. So I often... Uh, ruined myself and 
but now I'm going to have to find out. So I walked over and I was like, right, well, no way I'm going to be anything about middle of, of the of the pack. So I started in the middle and worked my way down. No, this is really bad. This is really, really bad. I can't see. I got to the very bottom and I was like, and then just as I hit the bottom, someone slapped, I'm not sure it was Colin or someone else, and slapped me in the back of the head. They're like, what the hell was that, Alan? I was like, what? Like, fifth. And I was like, what? And looked at the top and then sure enough, I was fifth. And um, so I was fifth, Satch was sixth, and Dave Bell was seventh. I remember and that. And then one. the next Leander athlete was like 12th or 13th. Um, and yeah, uh, it was the the most fun drive home ever because it was three of us and we were just like nailed talking it. about it. We just nailed it. And, and, and it was what was even funnier was that I'd, I'd spoken to Chris just before we left. He hadn't seen the result. I didn't nice. realize that. I said to him, um, Chris, is there anything we to do? Can we shut shit off? Thinking he might have seen them or he thinking he might want to know what a result is. Um, and he said, uh, no, um, where, where'd you come? And I said, fifth. And he just laughed. And he obviously thought I was, t- I was taking the piss. So he was thought I was lying. He laughed and he walked off. And I was like, okay, I guess that's a bit awkward. So um, I, I, we went back home and um, yeah, stopped for McDonald's. We had like, just the best feeling. That was um, the only time it was like legal to get a McDonald's, wasn't it? Like, yeah. On the way back from Boston Trials, yeah. you fill your boots. After Regatta's, yeah, you could yeah, stop yeah, and eat yeah. some junk food. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then the next day... Um, I got a missed call or a voicemail from yeah, it was a voicemail from Chris. I, yeah, he phoned me. I didn't really feel comfortable yeah. answering. Yeah. I left a voicemail saying, "Ah, uh, so <laughs> ow, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to uh, to talk to you about the yesterday and basically said, sorry, I didn't realize that you'd actually did come fifth. I shouldn't have laughed in your face. Um, well done. See you Monday." <laughs> and. Um, uh yeah so that was that was a he was i was gonna say like do you think do you think he thought he was lighting a fire under you by having a go at you but probably not if i mean obviously laughed at you thinking you'd gone fifth obviously i mean there's so many things i'm probably not talking about them but um uh undesirable things that have happened in my career that have had a massively positive effect Mm. on the outcome and by the end of it like getting pulled out of the thames cup crew if i'd won henley that first year I would have got what I wanted. I might you, have stopped. You would have gone gone back. I, I don't know. I'm, I, maybe I would have. Maybe I wouldn't have. I don't know. Um, so for a year or two, I was livid at the stewards. I was like, mm. how's John Collins, who's beating me in all the trials, being allowed to do Thames Cup uh, for Tiger Scholars? And I'm not. And he's just because it's me and I'm wearing, wearing in, in, in pink. Um, so I had all these kind of like little mini hates, little mini... Uh, um. Yeah, I guess rage against the machine. I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. I really like what you said about that, though. Like <laughs> me being excited to answer. You like, I want to know how did this? How did out? Because I've spoken to so many people. You obviously, we, we Dave and I spoke about it and stuff. And like, how did you do it? How did you just keep going? Because that for me was like twenty. I have some back injuries and stuff, but in 2011, 2012, I go in the team. Then the next two years was just like an absolute nightmare, and they just ground me down. Yeah. Until I was like done. And I was, ex- you know, I was expecting you to be like, yeah, you just got to like push through it and it's horrible and it's hard. And, but actually like you were just like, well, I just thought about, am I enjoying my life? Am I enjoying what I do day to day? Is this fun? 
do I want to still keep doing it? And I think that's that's such a good message. To it's not always about just like banging your head against a brick wall, which was probably my tactic. I think sometimes I look at the wider picture and be like, "Am I having fun here? Is this good? Like, am I getting somewhere? Am I getting something out of it that isn't a medal?" Yeah. Because yeah. I think everyone focusing like, did I get the medal? Did I not get the medal? Yeah. Did I make some friends? Did I have a good time? Did yeah. I go on some nights out? Did I drink some beers? I think like that's that's huge. I think that's awesome, awesome to hear that. That's and you can extrapolate that message outside of rowing as well. You put that out into the other spheres of life too. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Well, because I, I um, going back to the the leg break. I was going to say we derailed it. Let's, we did let's derail. get back did, on did that. that yeah. I knew that happened, but um, <laughs> it's, cool. it's uh, we've got time. I yeah did twenty twelve double skulls, one at Henley, and then I was like, they were saying, yeah, we're gonna get, try and get a European squad together, and uh, it was after Henley they were gonna put us into like this winter camp training hmm. before kind of having a peak because the Europeans are gonna be after the Olympics. Um, Yes, we had a little break, year. didn't we? we? had like a couple yeah. of weeks off. We yeah. were allowed to have off. And then, and then it was like go. Dan Rich's wedding and a few other things. But um, yeah. before that, yeah, we had um, there were some cross-training sessions and they said, you can kind of do what you want. And Ross Hunter, a few others were, were playing football and they said, oh, you want to come down and play football for your cross-training session? So I was like, yeah, why not? That's fine. So um, we went to some uh, like outdoor artificial surface the thing in Henley and um I was running around outfield for a bit and I, a few times I was like close to like just throwing my ankle a little bit I thought I'm doing I'm going to do myself mischief I'll, I should go in goals because I'll be safer there um but that was the one position I played in at school right. and uh I ended up saving a few and I obviously my ego is coming this I'm good at football I'm like I, for, I forgot I'm actually really good at this. I wasn't good. I just saved a few like few shots from some very average rowers. I always and, loved I always love playing with rowers because I'm a good footballer with yeah, rowers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a good yeah. footballer, but around yeah. rowers. So um uh yeah, I ended up saving a couple of that. I think Ross or someone, uh Ross Hunter had said he was the the catalyst for my ego getting blown up because he said, Wow, oh, I didn't realise you're good with goals. Like we should get you down more often. I'm like, yeah. this is great. Um, and then this this shot comes in. So Dan Ritchie hits the hits the um, hits the shot, and so I dive to my left. And but when I'm mid flight on the way to to me, the ball gets deflected just a fraction oh. further left. But I I didn't like think about it. But instinctively, I I realised I wasn't going to get far enough over in this dive to the left. So I, I, my foot, my left foot was kind of close to the ground. So I tried to do a kind of secondary yeah. push off the ground. But obviously I'm horizontal and I tried to push further over. So like clearly twisted and, and uh, cracked it um, just by trying to push further over and didn't save the shot before. And you asked me that. That's one of the first things people say. Did you actually save it? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, but yeah, so I, I I'd never broken anything in my life at that point, and so but I I crack my knuckles all the time, and it felt more like kind of mm. uh, like a joint manipulation. Um, mm -hmm. So I kind of stood up, and I was like, oh, really hurts. And a few of the guys in the in the picture were like looking at me like that sounded loud. Um, 
but all of them saying, yeah, just walk it off. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but like at this point, I'm kind of feeling quite lightheaded and a little bit nauseous. But I could stand on it. I could stand on it. I just couldn't walk through it. And then, um, yeah, so I thought I would have sprained it. And so I went home and uh, put my leg up and phoned my coach and said, like, I'll sprain my ankle, I think. But it was also when the Olympics were happening. Mm. And they said to us, if you've got tickets to go to the Olympics, because home games, you're gonna, yeah. you can go. It's fine. So I had tickets to see... Um, both Will's uh, semi and his final. Um, my dad was coming as well, so he came down. And um, the first day, I'd managed to get some crutches off. Um, I think Owen, I think he had crutches from the yeah. previous injury he probably sense. had. Yeah. Um, so we got dropped off, and I'm crutching myself over to the ticket thing, and um, then we get through. And I think the first, day, yeah, actually got got through. And the first day, I. Because I was on crutches, someone gave me a wheelchair when I got in. But when I got a wheelchair, then they didn't they didn't actually check my ticket so readily. So I actually ended up getting wheeled into the family and friends section. Oh, which is great. It, was it Jamie wheeling you around? Was someone was someone this uh, someone Jamie, Tom Wilkinson? Tom Wilkinson. Uh, I don't who it was. Well, I think it was, it was Ben it? or someone. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Ben or or with Sally. His mum could have been because yeah. um, Sally definitely dropped me off the first day. Um, well, my dad would have been as well. But um, yeah, so we went around and watched the semi-final. I was like in awe of how cool it was and how uh, what my mate was achieving. And then we saw the I think that same day that was the men's eights final, and that was like epic. Um, how they went went out to try and win it, and um, yeah, just so inspiring, just so loud. I was just never like it was Henley Roar, but like at a two k like six lanes like. Henley's feels that loud because it's quite close in. Mm-hmm. Like it was just insane how loud it was. Um, but yeah, so I went home that night and ankle didn't really change much. Um, I think I actually dropped, stopped in at Will's hotel and just had a chat with him and because um, they were allowed, to, they were staying somewhere in, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not Reading. Slough. Slough, yeah, somewhere, yeah. somewhere like that. Um, but... Yeah, it was it was like not getting worse, but I couldn't walk through it. So uh, the next day, I had another day off, just resting it. And then the following day after that was finals day. And I went in, and that time I had a, a wheelchair from as soon as I arrived, pushed in. And then when I got into the main bit, I got a mobility scooter. Nice. So it seemed better. And I was like, sweet, this is fun. Um, watched all the races. And then, yeah, Will got his bronze medal. I was like, I remember watching it thinking, oh, this, is, this is in no way... Like, um, like it could sound like I'm putting him down, but I saw what he was doing and I thought, I was wrong with this guy. If he can do it, I can do it. Like, there's no reason why I can't do it. There's no reason why I couldn't mm. get to that level. Mm, totally. Because yeah. I know what he's done to get to it. And yes, he, he's an incredible talent, incredible guy, and like has has ability to destroy himself. But I. I know him well enough that he's not superhuman. I'm like he's just gone and done that. So, um, yeah. So it was just mean, yeah. it was huge for me to to be able to be be there and witness that and yeah, seeing one of your best mates get an Olympic medal on a home home turf. Like I remember, we came to on the Saturday night. He came out in Weatherspoons in Henley. He came back to Henley on the night out. Did he? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, this GB Blazer one came on, or maybe it wasn't a Saturday night, one a Sunday, Monday, whatever, yeah. after. I think I wasn't there because clearly I was, I, I by that point, I worked out that my leg was uh, messed up. I think, I, sorry. I was going to say, I think, because I think I remember thinking, like, coming through, I don't know if you remember it better, like, through the semis, I think in the final, I, saw, I was like, I think he's going to come forward. Like, I don't want him to, but I was like, I think because of the times and stuff, I was mm. worried. I was like, oh, are they just going to miss out? Are they just going to miss out? Yeah. But. No, I smashed it. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so yeah, I I didn't. I went. I remember going to see the like, a, uh, doctor at the course and just asked him like, "I'm here. You're a doctor. Could you look at my ankle and see if what you think it is? Um, what situation is?" And they said, "Well, can you stand in it?" And I said, "Yeah." And they said, "It doesn't look swollen. It's not bruised. Like, I think you probably just sprained it." So I just put my foot out the next day and then. Uh, no, sorry, that, that that day, that was the semis day. And then after Will's race, obviously, it was two pipes, haven't watched his race. And then uh, went home um, after his celebrations. And then um, it was like blown up. It was like fully, there was a cleavage between my foot and my toes. Like it was big. Um, and my dad said, she goes A and E, just like get an X ray, and worst case scenario, obviously it's broken. If it, like best case scenario, you just get told what you've been told already, but you had the scan. So I went in and um, waited for the usual kind of two hours, and then got an X ray. And then they, you know, radiologists tend not to say anything. They say like, I'll pass it on to the doctor. I don't know if it was because of the Olympics or whether it was because just that guy I got, but he like. Um, popped his head round the corner and said, "Well done, mate. You've uh, broken it in two places." Um, and I was like, ah, "This is not good." I was hoping to get a GB vest this summer. Um, and I remember lying in the hospital bed and and um, my dad coming in and saying, "Well, do you want to come home back to Inverness and like rest up there?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know what I'm going to do." I was like, "What should I do? What can I do?" And then I was really fortunate. I had. Um, we had Miles Forbes Thomas, who was coaching the crew, and and he's he's an awesome guy. I I really respect him. Just great for us, great for me. Um, and that summer, he when he heard the news, I told him. He said, um, "I think you should stay down and train with the guys and keep going through to the Europeans and um, and treat it, treat your rehab as your your European champs." So, um, so yeah, I decided to do that. I was like, if I go home, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm going to be further back than I would if I grafted. So I did, and I spent like the next six weeks attached to the ski erg, and um, uh, yeah, it was brutal. Like, it was, if we're talking about like banging your head, head against a brick wall, that was the, the the period of my life where I did that. The sit down ski erg. The sit down ski erg. Um, pissing people off because I was reverberating the building because it's attached to like a structural beam and every time I went to the end of it it would like ting and the whole <laughs> building so like people would be having if there was a 20k erg, uh, 20k in the water I would do the equivalent time in the, the ski erg yeah yeah um, and uh, so I yeah I was doing all the training they were doing that ski erg's still there is it? yeah it's in the in the yeah in the new part of the gym attached to the wall by the door. Oh, by yes, the yes, yes. As soon as you get in. I've put, I, I don't know how many new claws I put on that. Yeah. You wore it to death. Stu Innes wore it to death when he yeah. had a crack on it. Now they've got four or five of the new ones as well, but yeah. that's got to be one of the oldest ones in the UK yeah, yeah. still going. Let's put some miles on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I was, I remember 
it wasn't so much because the skier. I mean, well, yes, it was that was the main part, but um, it was the fact that I was crutching skier and weights, like everything, um, all the time, and there was no let up. Like I just it was, I, I lived in a state of pain, and it's just and, you on your own, and yeah, every day going down, and I'm not, I'm not seeing really any progress either because mm-hmm. I'm obviously written off. I'm just every day just writing myself off further. Um, but I will say, like, there was this. Um, I've told a few people this when they've asked me about upper body strength. If you want to get like upper body strength that keeps you robust and <clears throat> break your leg, because I, I smashed all my when I eventually got back to walking, <clears throat> clearly recovered. Um, I had this moment. I'm sure I've told you before, but I had this moment in the Ander gym where it was like. Um, uh, unbreakable in that film Unbreakable Bruce Willis yeah yeah, yeah. so he's like on the bench press and he's like his kid's putting more weight in the bar he's like how much is on there and he's like putting more and he just keeps on doing it I was literally uh, like that in the in the bench press I, I went on threw on 80 kilograms because of what, what I'd been doing for like a set of eight <clears throat> I did it I thought that kind of easy I could yeah, put a bit more on so I put uh, fives on each side and it felt the same and then I put another Another five. I did it like three times, kept going up. And I got to 100 kilograms. I did a set of eight. I remember I was the only person in the gym. And you know, when you sat in the bench press back then, you could look in the mirror to the left where the ergers were. I were looking in the mirror and be like, what? I'm checking the weights. Like, am I, is this happening? Is this like, <laughs> is someone videoing me right now? Yeah, yeah. Fake I, I felt so like if imposter syndrome or something. I don't know what it was. But, um, and then, yeah, just I was like this. I was so pumped from the fact that I've actually got some strength now, and I just banged out like a set of thirty and tricep dips, so body weight, and then I just I remember walking around the gym feeling indestructible upper body wise. But um, yeah, so um, but that did put me in the back foot when it comes to um, getting into the team. Yeah, it, all of you guys. So you missed yeah you missed out on Europeans, and then pretty much everyone who raced there and then gets an invite. Yeah. Apart from a couple of people like George, oh no, because George Ruster got injured, got, got um, did his back and missed out. Yeah, um, but he was there. He was at uni. A few guys who were at uni maybe didn't get, but all the rest of us got offered, got got it, and we all felt good. As if like, yeah, as if Al hasn't fucking come on. Like, I was, yeah, I, I was like, well, the other thing I, th- I remember thinking of the the uh, hospital bed when my dad was asking about why, when I want to go home was um, if I go home now I'll probably call it a day like I've done I've done everything I really wanted to achieve at this point like I didn't really feel like I needed to do any more I wasn't I was fairly content mm. um, but I remember thinking to myself if there's ever going to be a year I'm going to break into the, the Olympic team or the GB team it's going to be post Olympic year. Mm. And it's probably most likely after London because I would have thought it didn't, turned out it wasn't the case. But um, a lot of people would retire after that because yeah. um, because like what's going to be better than the home games? But anyway, so I thought, yeah, that's the reason why I decided to carry on. And um, yeah, so I wasn't I wasn't really that phased by it because I was like, well, I've got a year, and I was I was really lucky that um, <laughs> you got injured. Um, you got injured and I I guess it's one thing I actually did since we're on the podcast and I never actually spoke to you about it I I um, I felt a lot of guilt when I 
came into the team and knowing that that was the case. Um, but I didn't leave the team. No, I didn't leave the team, yeah. but I got a look in, I got a chance and it was it was your chance. And I I remember for a while thinking, does he, does he, is that? I know he obviously, I'm sure he didn't, uh-huh. but the, I remember thinking to myself, do I say something? Do I say sorry? Is that going to be like, what a dick he's come up to say, like, just give me sympathy for uh, for taking his spot and all this stuff. But so I ended up not doing anything. But I remember there was a lot, a good month or so where I was like, I just really hope Tom still makes it because I, I've been given probably one of my only leg ups. Um, and as a result of someone missing out on one. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I capitalized on it, so it was great. But, but that's uh, how it works. It's yeah, funny, it is. You speak yeah. to every athlete, and it's everyone thinks that they're Jurgen's going to phone them and say, "I want you in the four tomorrow." It doesn't. No, you don't. It's it's never. It's going to be a spot's going to open up, and you're going to get a chance to yeah. to put performance down. And thing is, we all knew you should have been there anyway. So it's like happy that you got there, and you didn't just come in and like do all right. I think you won that pairs matrix. Did you not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like, and it's like, I wasn't expecting to win that pairs matrix. And that was just even more proof, like, he deserves to be here. Yeah. So, like, no, I had no malice against you at all. Like, that was just my journey, my back. Yeah. And, like, since then, it's funny listening to all these people who will devalue their performance because it came as a result of someone else, you know, a spot in the boat opens up or a spot on camp or whatever. And I don't think, I don't, having spoken to a lot of people, I can't, I, you, it doesn't take anything away from the performance. You still did the performance. You just got an opportunity to show it, and that's just how the world works. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So, and by the sounds of it, like the opportunities have even now because you've had quite a few unlucky breaks, and then sometimes you didn't needed that leg up to to kind of like show the people running the team what you were worth. Obviously, everyone gets bad luck and good luck. It's going to come to everyone, and the reality is the best thing you can do is recognize opportunities and seize them and you know and like capitalize on that that's yeah. all you can do really yeah. dan richie still claims my rowing career because he broke my leg because <laughs> he well, was like, the one that hit the ball but no it's, it's like to your point like what i said earlier like, they're not desirable things situations but they're they, they bring birth to opportunity and tim tim said it when we spoke to tim foster about his hand quite famous you know putting his yeah. hand through the window and the time it went in the papers and stuff and he was like obviously i wish it hadn't happened but at the same time doing something stupid and not having permanent damage changed the way i approach things it made me grow up i am what i am now and i have what i have yeah. now as a result of everything i've been through yeah. so i can't say i could take that back because if he hadn't hurt his hand there he might have kept partying later and hurt himself worse yeah. in some different yeah. way so you everything you've done is has got you to where you are so you yeah. can't the good and the bad are both important yeah also like what uh, jack beaumont said on, on his podcast uh, with us that sometimes you just need a few sliding doors and like you have to you can be the right person at the right time but also you need the right opportunity to to kind of jump yeah. through this and like you never hope for these opportunities at the expenses of your mates but you know they would hate for you not to like capitalize on that and like and also you uh, can not put your full beams into it and then this is exactly what you did if you yeah. start going what what if what if what if you can go what if till forever until before you were born what if my parents hadn't done it that night yeah. you know like what, <laughs> what if goes forever and uh and it also expands out into far beyond rowing you know i'm gutted i didn't go to the olympics but if i'd gone to the olympics i never would have met my, my wife and i never would have had the life i live now and and i'm really happy with how things are going and you've got to think like 
whether you believe in it being on purpose or it, everything's random like at the end of the day one thing leads to another so yeah um if you don't quite get what you want now you might you might be working towards something further and every time you don't get something if you can use that as energy to push on yeah then you've got you've got something that someone else doesn't have yeah so then being in the team then you finally made it you've broken in mm-hmm. how's how's it all going down I remember taking the same approach I had for uh, getting the team as I did the first like six months or probably a year of Leander in that I was like, I'm going to get cut. So this is going to be my last session. I'm going to make sure this is, this is the best session I can make it. And just like, yeah, just putting it. I wasn't pulling my nut off to for the sake of it. Like, I was just really, really switched in to doing everything I could inside the moment. I mean, I look back now, I, I, there's definitely things I could have done better. I could have been more switched on to like recovery in between. I could have got off uh, off the water sharper so I could get some food and then like more time in between. But like in between the sessions, I was just lapping up the fact I was rubbing shoulders with the guys I looked up to for so many years and like just chatting to them and like, or just taking a piss or being part of the banter and like, um, just getting a sense that I was part of something that I never ever ex- ex- expected or thought I'd be capable of being part of. Um, That's a hard thing to do as well, to live in the moment and not be searching for like, yeah. oh, I'm in the team now, so what's next? Yeah, no, I was to look around. I, I was just more, I'm taking this as much as I can in because it's probably going to get taken away from me. I don't know. I don't know how how much more I've got my capacity yet. Mm. Um, it might be that this is literally, it. that, that Paris matrix might have been a fluke. That might have been just my thing and that's the, the me topping out. And then, so I want to make sure that outside of the training, outside of the racing stuff, that I I just live it as much as possible. Yeah. So I, I'm of the opinion that like, you can get lucky in a seat race because it's two races, but in a pairs matrix where you literally go through every combination, that's that's never really a fluke. That's just classic uh, high-performance athlete imposter syndrome coming in, like, I'll get every good performance, like, oh, maybe it was a one-off. Maybe I just had a good day. Maybe it's not going to be like that anymore. But maybe that's that, that was the attitude that you needed, like, you know, put that scarcity towards every session that actually, you know, really showed people who were reviewing and evaluating your performance are like, you know, you really want it, you're really after it, because if he's treating every session as if his last, well, what if he's like, you know, gets comfort, like in knowing that, you know, he's up for selection and all that sort of thing. So yeah. I must have like impressed the hell, the hell out of like some people. Yeah, I remember, um, yeah, well, I, I guess I've stunned myself, but, uh, and, but it was kind of, people were still figuring out who they were in the team or where they ranked and where this, like the pecking order and stuff. And I, I definitely got a sense that, I remember looking over the the results because it was literally like I don't even know if it was Jurgen. I think it was someone else. It's literally tossed the results into the into the crew room, and people are looking over it. And um, I don't, yeah, I don't even think they were announced, but people were looking, and I was like, "Yeah, actually, won it." Like, it's, just, it's a typo. And like, I'm trying to. This is a completely different format of looking at results. I'd never done anything like that before. It was obviously Leander before, and. Trying to work out cumulative time, yeah, yeah. yeah like trying to not look too yeah. interested, but yeah, just to- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's told me I won, but like, yeah. Anyway, um, what does that mean? And the coaches aren't like looking at me nicer. They're not chatting to me and saying, "Well done." So maybe I haven't done anything that good. Um, but yeah, I remember like a week later, 
um, saying, going up to Christian and, and Bishop and saying, yeah, so I was just wondering, am I going to be um, staying in the team uh, much longer? Because at the time I was told I would be there, like a just sub in. Yeah. And I wasn't, hadn't been told, no one had said to me, right, you're in. Mm. It was just, I, I just kept on going down. I remember feeling saying to me, um, I think it was after the first three or four days of me subbing in. Because it was initially, it was, although you got injured, it was for Bill Lucas was injured as well. Okay. So I did sculling, um, stroke side and bow side in the first week when right. I joined the team. An orchestra. Um, yeah. Uh, Lambert, La Pete Lambert loves talking about how Jürgen said to me, oh, bow side, stroke side, sweep. Oh, Highlander. And that was it. That was it. And that was it. And I was like, is that been good? Is that a bad thing? I no idea. Um, but anyway, yeah, Lambert loves still bringing that up. But so he, um, yeah, I got, went up to Christian. I was like, am I, am I staying in the team? Because I kind of need to know for work whether I want to be, I had a part-time job still as coaching. And, and he went, he kind of did his like funny look at you, like into my eyes, like kind of side on like this. He said, Yes, man. Of course. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? Am I going to the training camp? Because if it's training camp, then that's two weeks away. I need to plan for work. And he said, yes. And I was like, do I have to pay for it? Just kind of put his frown on me. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm asking stupid questions now. I feel like I'm going to talk myself out of going to, <laughs> to the training camp. <laughs> Don't say anything point. else. That's what, Okay, right, I'll I'll sort I'll sort of work out. So I went away and then like sorted things out with oh. with the, the coaching job, and then um, yeah, that's when Jamie Smith took on for, from from that role. But um, I would say that there was maybe something they weren't great at was maybe communication. Um, there's more than one occasion where you just didn't really know what the yeah, hell was but, going on, yeah. and we've heard that from a few people as well. It's terrible. It's still terrible. It's still I mean, even idea. just like it's so bad. You know, turning up, like, managed to get yourself to the airport or whatever. And, you know, I don't know where I'm flying. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. You know, like, yeah. going up to the desk and, like, where are you flying today? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. They look at you like an idiot. Like, what do you mean you don't know where you're going? I don't know. I just, they said, get here at seven. So I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, they should have got, you know, when you get you're under five, you're like a, a, little, a paid person that comes up, <laughs> escorts you. We should have had one of those. As soon as you arrive, you got, like, a little bat of hat or something. <laughs> I remember you, one year, after. like one year, well, a few of us arrived together. And so like, she, they asked us where we're going and they turn around, someone turns around and goes, I don't know where we're going. And like, no one knows. And this woman's looking at us like, who are those people <laughs> that have turned up at the, uh, these giants yeah. that have turned up, they all look weird. They're all wearing just sliders and shorts yeah. and it's December. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like just a random rowing kit and t-shirts with holes in them and stuff. Just, like, just the, I remember just looking at us like, just not work out how we were doing. It's a good one. It's so good. Yeah. So you said that after three or four days of initially going to Cavachem, Phelan said something to you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So Phelan said basically, yeah, just um, you're here. Just, just keep coming back until someone tells you not to come back. I think that's what Dave, Dave said to me. Dave was like, I'm pretty sure Al just like just kept turning up. Yeah. It was. <laughs> it was that no, no one said. Uh, yeah, you come do it tomorrow and then whatever. It was literally, I got, the first call up I got was Chris um, Collison saying they need to spare banks. He said a word, had a words and said you can do because you can do stroke sides, bow side and sculling. You've been asked to to go along, so you're gonna sub in for, for a day or two. So I went down and feeling said, yeah, literally keep keep turning up. Because I, I I think I asked the question, should I go to 
because I was told to do water stuff. And I said to him, do I go to Bisham? Because that's where everyone in the team goes to do weights. Or should I be going to Leander? And he said, no, keep turning up to where to everything until someone tells you to go away. Mm. Um, Good advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly. Um, Might get you some trespassing violations, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, I, once, I once got a phone from Banksy in like 2011. And the summer of 2011, he rang me up and said, here, Tom, uh, Rick Edgington is having an uh, injection in his back today. And he might not be able to row tomorrow morning. Do you want to sub into the men's floor tomorrow morning? I've told Jürgen you can do it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I really want to do that. Like, he's like, right, all right, in the morning, like tomorrow morning, I'll, I'll let you know how Rick's feeling. Yeah. And then he rings me, he's like, Rick's all right, he's going to row. Oh. Ah, what? I, I had one of those. Uh, I, I jumped into the men's quad in uh, 2011, I think. Um, so I, it was literally like it was the morning after a, a, a big night out and Oof. Banksy phones me and says, can you get down to Caversham this afternoon? Um, because Robotham was, is injured. Um, Nick Wood wants to go out. So I was like, just, I think we, have we been? Yeah, we did, we'd won after Henley. So it was the summertime and mm. um, yeah, I was like, Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll be there. And went down and did the same thing as I did when I was university. Like that junior kid with Aberdeen University just just tore every single stroke as hard as I could. And yet, I still felt like the weakest in the boat. Like Sam Tyron's head. I was just looking at his back and thinking, he is a monster. Just absolute brute. How are they so strong? How am I ever going to be like that? Um, but yeah, I, I was lucky. I actually got. To Fill in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you win, sometimes yeah. you lose. Yeah. So, um, just that that period in the team then, I guess, in the run-up to Rio, um, obviously Senior Worlds, 13, 14, 15, uh, fifth place, second place, bronze, medals, senior medals. Did it change the way you approached things? Um, how did it, how was, how did it feel? How was it, you know, going from being, from having a go, and seeing if you can do it to now being your full time job. Uh it was it was epic. Like I twenty thirteen year we it was a really cool crew to be in, like uh in terms of personality. So Noddy and I done really well in, in, in the Paris trial, despite me, I think most of my great hairs came from that year. Most two years with Rory and Perinotti, because he's as infamously, and he'll admit that uh, uh, it, how hard it is to work with him. Because um, everybody who's ever had to had the privilege of Rowan Noddy will know that he manages to make Olympic medalists feel this small when you're rowing with him, because his standards are this this high. Um, but incredible athlete, and um, yeah, I, I love the first time I rode in a pair with him. I remember um, before that matrix, it was like the last session of the day. It was like twilight, and um, the boat was just like bang level. And I thought, I haven't rode in a pair with someone who understands how to move it like this. Um, so that was really eye opening for me. And yeah, so the crew we ended up in with uh, was yeah Noddy, um, Scott Durant, and Tarrant, and uh, yeah, just a great group of guys. Christian um, loved all that summer, 
um, won the Henley again, uh, got a silver medal at World Cup, and yeah, Worlds was great, great experience. I mean, going to South Korea for your first World Champs, and my first um, actual GB vest was the the World Cup in Australia earlier in the year. So, jet setting from not to a hundred mm. uh, felt pretty special, and then um, yeah, the after that year going from like pennies in terms of funding um in that 2013 year to getting a i think it was a b or c grant uh, i haven't gotten to the a final that meant that i could fully buy into just this is this is like i can live off this um and then 14 uh had yeah pretty good uh winter but um, I didn't. I don't feel like I stepped on that much. Um, thirteen to fourteen, not the degree I'd hoped until we got to maybe springtime, and then uh, had another good result with Noddy in the pair, came third at trials, um, and it was uh, frustrating because I knew we we all knew that uh, the four was going to be the top boat that year, um, eight was going to be the second one. And by final trials merits, we should be in the eight. I was like, mm. "Sweet, we'll be in the eight. And or not, I didn't. I didn't take it for granted. I knew that Jurgen didn't see me as like a potential athlete, and clearly put me with Noddy because he didn't really like Noddy that much either. And um, did you think that was age related? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, like I, I've seen Jurgen a few times since, and I've I've always kind of wished I'd plucked up the courage to say to him what, what, what was it I didn't have what was it like I didn't what, what did you see in other people over me I've heard a few people who've come into the team later like you who felt the same way yeah. who've said he's sort of looking for potential yeah and the older you are the lower your your future potential becomes yeah 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 it was it was kind of I don't but I uh yeah I guess I, I, we don't know. Like I'll, I'll, I'll never know what, how I would have oh, been as an athlete. I'm going to ask him when he comes on. When we get him on, I'm going <laughs> to oh, yeah. corner him. <laughs> you know, what you should ask him about. I tell you what, you can grill him on. I've done, and this is the bit I would love to know: is um, 2015. Uh, he seat raced me and Tarrant at Silvretta, so the pre worlds camp. So we'd done. I I got my way into the four. Um, like seat race, beat tyrants, and um, done the European champs, won it, did the next World Cup, didn't do quite so well, won Henley though, and then we did really badly in Lucerne. We got I don't know, second or third in the B final, which is pretty bad. But straight after Henley, we weren't like a really strong physiology wise crew. And clearly, we we're just knackered. Um, and then I talked about this the other day, Jürgen's technique to knacker everyone into it. He always overtrains everyone into Lucerne. Yeah. Because then yeah, you yeah. don't have the result you want and then you've got yeah. six weeks till Worlds or the Olympics Yeah, and you're like, shit, I need to turn it on. Yeah. But the problem with that year was that it was Olympic qualification year mm. and he knew that his boat for the Olympics was going to be the four. Mm. And we were in the four. So he was like, I need to get this boat to win. So he wanted to retest it but um, and find out if it had been people other people on the boat so um that's how Stu got in um 
but there is a, a pairs matrix. So it's supposed to be a pairs matrix, uh, and but I myself uh, after the, the two or three days off after Lucerne, um, I went to my brother's wedding, and then but I was I was like that day felt pretty kind of funny, but you kind of pushed through it because it's a wedding, and then uh, the next day I was written off, just so ill. Um, it turned out it's Tarrant and Noddy were also really ill. Um, so they ran this pairs matrix with uh, Scott, Ollie, Tiran, and Stu. And uh, Stu and Ollie had been the pair for Henley, and Stu um, uh, managed to beat Scott. So he got he was definitely going to be selected into the the four. <clears throat> and then Tiran beat Ollie by a decent amount, and Jurgen decided that he was going to get in. So then we were told, like, right, the three of you, we're going to do some testing in Silvretta. Um, and, yeah, we did. It, was, it wasn't, it was like, side-by-side -side testing. It was four go out, and then the quad was, like, the pace boats. Mm. But time trial procession, so they went off first, mm. and then they compare the times. So really, really, like... Secretive. Dubious, like, is this really going to work? Interesting um, way to set our seat racing, yeah. Yeah, I know. And then... Um, so, so this has ended up being a long-winded story. Um, but I uh, went out, did some training in it, and it was supposed to be so Stuart Stroke, then um, Tiran, then me or Tyrant, and then Scott Bow, and then we did one with with a training session with both me and Tyrant in the three seat. So we did um, the first run with us in the two seat. Both did it, and then. Um, come in and, and I, I'm jumping out and going into the three seat. I remember Christian's coming over and, stop men, stop, stop, stop. What are you doing? And I was like, getting into the three seat because that's what we trained in, that's what we were told we were doing. No man, that's not the plan. And I was like, this, this feels a bit weird, this feels a bit, mm, I'm not sure I feel about this, but um, okay, I'm too being told to do mm. it. In the back of my mind I'm thinking, Jürgen's not got the result he wants yet. He wants to retest it. Mm. Um, but I didn't say anything. I just remember thinking it. And um, so went out, did it again in the two seat, came in and uh, so finished. And then we don't, we don't hear anything. We don't hear anything. And we we're asking Mo what's happening because he was the athlete's rep. Like what's the, what's the story? And he's like, I don't know. They're having chats. All I know is they're having chats every night, and it's not they've got to come to conclusion of what's happening. And I find out afterwards from is it Banksy? I think it was Banksy actually, the first person to tell me um, that basically they were having like two-hour conversations every night after the the kind of coaching debrief for the day to argue who was going to get the seats between me and Tarrant. All of the coaches said the data shows Alan gets it. And Jurgen was saying, I just don't think, I think it'll still go faster with Tarrant. And everyone was saying, but you just did seat racing. You can't select the other person if you've done seat racing. The data's here that you wanted is proven this person should get the seat. That's the way you have to go with it. And it took literally four days, four nights of them having those arguments every time. And, um, Eventually, I remember being told that um, we had to, like the, the announcement of what the crew would be, and 
Jürgen started it and said, well done for seat racing, well done for doing it. I know it's tough, this and the other. Okay, so we have, have some results and um, we have a selection, sorry. Um, Christian's made a selection and I support him with it. Um, so he wasn't. He basically was wanting to wash his hands of it. Yeah. And he wanted mm-hmm. to be like, he, they've gone with it. I'm going to concede, but I'm not putting my name to this. Um, and they said my name. I remember walking out and like walking back. I was seeing the Piz, um, so the different hotel to the Silveretta House. I went down to the, the lake and I just bawled my eyes out. I was like, I've never cried like really in sport. And I remember being like so like four days of like all this emotion, not knowing what's going on being written off and like uh just like bawling my eyes like walking back and just being like can't believe i've done it can't believe i've done it and then um but then i found out afterwards from Stu. i think it was maybe uh when we down in viz he said to me that uh jürgen had um asked him the night before the seat racing how is the boat feeling um with the two of them just, just casually how's the boat feeling and steward said Oh, it's like, it feels pretty close. Um, like I couldn't tell the difference between between them when in the two seat, but when in when the, in the three seat, it's definitely better with Alan. So clearly, he's decided. Well, I'm not going to try, not going to do some deep testing with with Alan in the three seat. I was like, damn it, man! Like I, I think that was the first time where I was up until that point. I, I the reason for resentment was based on the fact that I had. Um, felt like I'd done enough, but it was very subjective. Like I mm. feel like I've got numbers and I've done everything I need to do, and yet you're still not giving me like any kind of leg up. But this was like a a real tangible. Like someone has given me like two. The coaches are saying that they're back in my corner. Ta- uh, Stu's given me evidence to say well, why would they have done done that seat race twice in a row, and uh, and then I was like, just that, that's what made me think. A, a little chink in the armor when it comes to trusting him mm. um which wasn't a nice feeling because this is the guy you're trying to it's trying to lead you to to your your best best path and best success but maybe that was more fuel for the fire but i definitely fuel for the fire, but also the more hoops you jump through the sweeter the victory so that yeah. emotion of pour out you know if yeah. you've just been like and none of that. So you're in the fall. You've been like, oh, cool, I'm in the fall. Yeah. But to go for all of that, yeah, like yeah. the sweet of the win. It yeah. clearly meant so much. So how did it go that year? Uh, it was another awesome crew to be a part of. Uh, I don't think I've actually gone faster in a 250-meter piece in any boat class than I did with that four. We did a uh, flying 250 in the Viz. I think it was something like uh, one... 13 or 14 pace what? um it was obscene like I've, I've got a video on my instagram and and i put it up and i remember when i put it when i found it again when i put it up i looked at it it looks like it's been fast forwarded it looks like wacky races kind of like fast yeah. forward uh when you compare it to other rowing but um yeah that that boat has some serious speed when it when it wanted to um but yeah we had we had kind of not great progression through the world champs um like heat against the italians and then uh better we actually went through the rep i think yeah because it's a win from the heat right through the rep that was fine semi-final had a much better row and then the final um like i think the main thing for us 
the pressure was taken off once we got into the final because it was like just get into the final yeah, yeah. because the organ will have your head off if you don't <laughs> so um there was a big like minimum requirement yeah, yeah. like get get that thing first and then for the final i was i remember um planning in my head what i was going to do and just literally put keep looking at tiran's back and just thinking drilling my legs and seeing how hard i can how deep into the hole i can go before i get to 50 before i get 500 to go um and yeah we had a okay start but everybody blasted out i international rowing this this the race the profile of racing is usually a lot sharper off the start and um but we had if you look at our splits we had an incredible profile like it would be like really really uh match like yeah it was it wasn't quite negative splitting but um it was yeah nice and even and everyone else was blasted out that first thousand meters and held on the third 500 and then slowed down the last one uh but yeah we came through uh it looks like we had a massive finish but we just kind of came up. We almost got silver um, ahead of the Australians, but they held on to the end. Uh, so that was like that was epic. Kind of getting my first um, world's medal in an Olympic boat class that meant a lot, and also meant a lot in terms of funding as well. So um, again, just that kind of affirmation that I not made it, but like I've just made a big step up on what I thought I was capable of doing. And then yeah. I think that after that world, that was when I thought maybe Olympics is actually in the ballpark. Like up until that point, I hadn't even considered Rio. It wasn't until after 2015 world. That seems crazy to me. Yeah. That's how tight it was at their competition. And like you said that, yeah, there was a lot of guys that said they were going to quit and they didn't. Yeah. And there was still other guys that come in the team and like the standard of all of you, like Tarrant and Scott and, Gottrell and Bennett or he came in a bit later no no he was there by then wasn't he you know, yeah. it's like yeah. unreal Hodge and Reed going for his third like arguably one of the most competitive eras of British rowing ever two guys with two Olympic gold medals not making the top boat like that's just that fact alone yeah. shows you where the team was at that yeah. time yeah. so 2016 then yeah yeah um, we yeah it was a tough tough year I remember uh just feeling like, and people had said to me, um, I think it was feeling again, uh, the years of experience, you said that it, there's nothing we can really do or um, or say to describe how or why there's such a big step up. And it's not like anybody has a conscious thought process of, right, it's not here, let's go. But everybody scores, everything just gets ramped up. And it's not like the training gets like goes crazy, crazy more, but just everything feels like all of a sudden the quality is just boom, there. You're like, whoa, what was a really good score last year is middle of the pack now. And um, so that was really eye opening. And I've, I was relieved that in uh, the 2015 year, I made a breakthrough with my half hours. So, like, I think the first time I broke half hour was. I actually was ripping me about this, but because it was on a black ergo in a viz, and he used to think there was one black ergo and it was a fast one. And I, <laughs> the first day I broke 9K, I did uh, 39.1. Um, so it was like smashed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so he loves just saying, oh, that was that lack of ergo. 9,100. Yeah. Well, Will, if you're listening, I can tell you, I fix over a thousand machines a year and there aren't fast ones and slow ones, unfortunately. <laughs> if there were fast ones and slow ones, I would have found a fast one and I'd, I'd <laughs> exactly, still be yeah. in the team. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there you go, it's yeah. for proof that you yeah. nailed it. Cool, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'd done it like uh, in the middle of um, a Viz training camp when there's loads of mileage and all this stuff. So, But in 2015... Just, just feeling it? Yeah, I don't know. Like, everyone was doing it then. I, was, I, I think, yeah, just 2014. I think it was 2014. But I, uh, in 2015 though, I remember um, I broke up with my girlfriend. It was in the, uh, I want to say the January or something like that. But um, it was just like, at the time I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be terrible. I'm going to be a mess for a while. But actually, literally the day after it, I did it, I had this sort of weight of relief and this weight lifted off me and it was just a huge it was almost like an energy surge that but in my mind i was thinking now that i've done that for good reason i can fully buy into this i need to give like make it happen make this really work um i remember doing this for the first half hour after it happening and then and breaking 9k um and it was the earliest in the season i'd ever done it and then, like every every half hour after that, burnt nine k, like for the whole year, and um, it became like not a case of um, can I do it, but a case of how how easy can I make it, um, and so it was it was yeah a weird feeling yeah yeah really weird feeling, so you're laughing no, yeah, no that's that's that's, it, that's like, awesome to hear like yeah. it's it's crazy like I sometimes like when testing ergos right now I'll just go and like try rate 20 and then just pull as hard as I can. And I think, how the fuck do people do this for half an hour? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's, it's not easy at all. Yeah, that's why I talked about it. It's just like getting to that place physically when you are able to just hurt yourself for half an hour. Like, yeah. you can't, it takes years and years and years to be able to actually like be that close to that, to the red light for so long and not explode. Yeah. And there. Uh, post rowing there's things you know gone out and done i don't know cycling or whatever or gone for it and realizing that this that that, top, that next gear is not there and it's something that takes so long to to have and i think it's uh it's good to look back on it and you know understand like that's that takes some doing yeah and like to talk about playing around with 9k is I don't get it wrong. I didn't find it. none yeah. of them were easy. None yeah. of them. If it was more a case of it's going to happen, how am I going to, how am I going to make the, um, uh, make the nine thousand and one feel as easy as possible? Do I? Yeah. For me, I was one of the weirder, weirder guys when it came to pacing. I liked sitting one forty and just the whole way. Which stats would be like me? I can't do that. I, I, he has to start at one forty two for the first like ten minutes and then rags at home. It's a completely different session, like in terms of physiology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a completely different session. Yeah. Um, so obviously, the, the years of experience tell me that it was better to do for training purposes, do it my way. Yeah. But obviously, he saved a lot of beans doing it his way. Um, so uh, yeah, I I would. Uh, there were some days where it was still tough, but I would. Always, it was almost like I know I can do it. I just need to gr- grind it out and um it's just building belief yeah so it was and genuinely that and once once you kind of break that um that it's, it's just a number nine thousand just is no different to 
8,972 is just another number, but for some reason people get attached to getting past it. Um, it's a hard one to break, like six minutes. Also, I think like that's it for half hour. Like as much as a physiological benefit, I think it's a mental benefit, isn't it? Yeah. To I sit there and I hurt myself and I came yeah. out of it. Yeah. And I got a score. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I ended up loving them. Like genuinely, it was my favorite test. Um, I always did. Uh, yeah. My favorite. Yeah. Um, but I'm really tall, so it's a bit unfair, isn't it? But my my yeah. rate twenty is a bit easier than your rate twenty. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's just like different tests, I suppose. Yeah, but I um sorry, going going to the twenty sixteen yeah, yeah. thing, that step up. I remember uh being relieved that the nine K thing wasn't so much of an issue for me. Like it was still tough and people were pushing it to like nine one and like um and instead of uh just, just breaking the nine. So I was over the, the threshold, but I was still kind of middle of the package, maybe mm -hmm. just a little bit above the middle. Um, but it still, I still felt like it was in a good spot to be in contention. Um, and then um, did a, you know, the, what was the winter? Winter was with Scott, did decent in the pair. I think we came third at Boston Trials or something, or it was second. And then, uh, yeah, all the ergos were fine. Big step on in my um, uh, 2K, excuse me. Um, and then. What did you get? What was your best 2K? Best ever. Yeah. Or best, the, the, best that ever. Year. 550. 550. Points. Four, three, I think it was. It's on the so Instagram. Good. So, so good. Yeah. Um, did it in lockdown. No, that cool crappy thing. people did, yeah. yeah. Took, it, oh, took all my PBs away from Cabersham at the end. Yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. Did them all in the same place. Did my first two K test. Really nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I did the um, uh, pair with Scott until again. This is me with my Asherigan, if you want. Uh, he was he put um, me with Stu and Scott with. Uh, T-Ran because the pair with Stu and T-Ran wasn't working they said oh we're going to switch it around for a couple sessions you had to go and we'll switch back again and um, I remember going out with Stu and then I'm saying to him in the first session mate I don't think they're going to swap us back they're putting us together because they need to get T-Ran to go fast and it's not going fast with you um, we need to make this work and uh, and he was like yeah he went straight on board. I, some people didn't because Stu came into the team quite late. Like it was literally. Um, that was another, wasn't it? It was someone was injured from training camp. It was no, up. it was what well, he was the the um, the Paris Matrix. It was because if he, he did well in the um, he came on camp, I think. Yeah, then, that was it. I think someone had got ill last minute, and they needed someone to go on. Camp, he was sculling. That's right. And they so called him. Yeah, called him in. Yeah. Same thing. Like yeah. I said, like that took the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Sliding door. Yeah. Yeah, and he would, yeah, Jurgen liked what he did in the power curve, and he was like yeah, a strong athlete. But um, yeah, he got into the, the the crew in 2015, and then yeah, I was found myself in a pair with him, and just yeah, we got on really well. But I, I know that he um, like he's a really close mate now. I uh, love the guy. He definitely like outwardly said he struggled a bit with just getting. There's obviously going to be little cliques as you develop through Olympiad and there's friendship groups. And um, uh, I tried my best not to feel like I was creating them or uh, perpetuating them. But um, 
yeah, he just inherit that. And uh, yeah, I hated that Stu felt that he was on the outside of it a little bit, but and uh, some of the guys didn't get on quite so well with him. But um, I I got on great with him and the pair. It was just yeah, we, we had the the right rapport. Like mm. he was he was quite a perfectionist, not dissimilar to Noddy in that respect. Um, and uh, but he also had a really really good. Um, really strong idea of how he wanted to row and in um i think in a pair you need to have someone who's going to be more flexible mm. in uh in the sense of what we're doing and someone to be more this is what we're doing yeah. you have two people hotheads and kind of like we're both doing this it's never going to work if you've got two people who are too flexible you're never going to get a decisive yeah. like we're doing this path mm-hmm. um so that those kind of roles were already pretty set from the start and um yeah i was i was impressed by how he he handled things and we we got to a really good standard at in camp uh i thought the room was really good we had some decent speeds it weren't amazing um and then we did uh just before final trials i think we just got back from camp and we did like a, I don't know, a thousand meter piece we came dead last and it was like Rob was coaching us, uh, Rob Johnson, and we had a chat afterwards. And he said, "Like, what were we doing, guys? What were we doing? Like, what happened?" And I remember, like, so clearly knowing what we needed to do, and so clearly knowing that I was going like, to settle his nerves because he was panicking, and I couldn't get a sense of what Stu was thinking. But I just said, "We're rowing pretty. We're rowing perfectly well." We just need to boot the legs. Like we're doing everything we need to do. The boat is hundred percent efficient. We're just not booting the legs. We need to forget about rowing well and just boot the legs because it will be natural. Um and uh, the next day we went and did some bursts and things that felt way better and then did the did the time trial uh before the side by side stuff and came third and was like a half a second or a second behind Mo and Gregors. Um and yeah, I think I think yeah, Pete and Stan had won it by a second ahead of that. But I remember being in the in the the bike afterwards, uh, obviously not knowing the result at this point. And and uh, Stu was in the Ergo, and the the results came out somewhere. And um, I was just like on the bike or on the Ergo, just like what I decided. Stu was like quite on top of numbers. He had the speed coach, and I, I quite I was quite happy letting him do that. <laughs> I just like processed the information, tell me what I need to know. So he came. He kind of came towards me and just had a like straight face and then slowly a smirk broke out and he just went three and I was like third and he said yeah yeah I was like fuck I'm actually gonna get like that's epic oh, how do we do that <laughs> how do we do that again so anyway um, I'm buzzing from that result and then I remember walking through the gym and Jürgen uh, walking past me and uh and he kind of goes, hey, doing that kind of head back thing he does. No, I couldn't tell if he'd been serious or, or like joking or what. And he goes, what was that? And I went, I don't know. Was something wrong? He said, third. Where was that? Where did that come from? And he didn't, he didn't even like let me finish the like answering. He didn't ask any more specific. Yeah. He just asked that and then walked off. 
as if like I'd somehow <laughs> been offensive to him. Like you were hiding like, it on yeah, purpose. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, okay. Right. So I went and like get my head in the game. Obviously, maybe I was thinking to myself, I, I clearly haven't impressed them enough yet. So, um, yeah, I went, did the tie, the semi final. And, um, I remember we, we had a, the, one of the most amazing feelings I had in a pair was that semi final get with, with, uh, Stu because we went off the start and we had this call like maybe three or four hundred in. It was like breeze, and it was basically like just relax, just just chill, mm. just let the boat do some more work. And it was the, the most profound feeling of efficiency I'd ever had because we were going, giving it some, giving it some uh, second place at this time, um, and then we did the breathe call, and then we moved away from everybody else. And I was like, I'm doing less, I'm doing faster. This never happens in racing. Like yeah. this is like what you dream of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had this like bubbling feeling of the barriers behind me, and this I were, were catching up. So it was then the Chevron effect with the um, uh, they, they seeded the lanes because they mm-hmm. the conditions. So we had uh, Mo and Gregors to to my right, and um, we're gaining on them. We're getting up to the halfway point, and like, we're still gaining on them. And then we get to twelve twelve fifty mark, and say minus fifty to go, and um. I said, I remember saying to Stu, so we were like two and a bit lengths clear of third place. We obviously need to get third to get through. Um, but I remember thinking, I said to Stu, what do you want to do? And um, and he kind of, I think, you have to, if you get him on the show, you have to ask him, but I think he yeah, said, out, you're coming on. Yeah. <laughs> I think he said, um, let's go. But, but I think he actually thought I was saying, Let's go, and then he he just reflected that back. So we both went, and so we like tanned it for about uh, I don't know two hundred meters, and we're getting really into it. And I could sense that those two were 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 kind of like not going to let us get it easy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we're like moving further and further away. And then I was like, "Is this stupid? I think we should probably calm down." <laughs> so we just so I I bottled it. I was like, in hindsight, if I, I wish I could have done that, I wish we could have didn't like we were just. Like we had it just right, and maybe we would have had an awesome race at the front. I could have like bragged about having a side by side race with two uh, Olympic gold medalists and being that far anywhere else. But I, yeah, we ended up paddling at home and uh, worked smarter, so, not harder. Yeah, but um, yeah, and then the, the final came forth. Um, nothing really to bite home about, like in terms of drama. But uh, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, an awesome race, and then after that went into this like crazy, like um, high pressure, trying to get selected for the pair. Because although we got this result, I think Jurgen was like, "You, he's, he's, this is the first result he saw of us," mm. and he didn't didn't believe it. Mm. Um, so, and he also had Tyrant and Noddy, who were a good pair, and he thought, "Well, we're going to get a good pair at the two of these combinations." we'll get them fighting against each other for the season and whoever comes out top will go um so yeah the it was it was really tough like we went to the europeans the guy other two went to the first world cup they won it we were europeans the week or two after that so we went there thinking well they won so we're gonna have to win um i was in brat not brandenburg brandenburg 
really rough condition one. I can't remember. Um, Somewhere in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, we had, we were basically fluffed it literally like five strokes before the line <clears throat> and got a silver medal. We were coming through and it was really it was awful conditions, but um, yeah, we came away from that event feeling pretty kind of devastated and frustrated. And I think that even the lead up to it, we were too tense. And I remember having a chat with Stu about how we'd, how we'd approached it and we, we met up with um, the team psychologist at the time um, and just like ch chatted things through to work out. Because I think they, the Jürgen didn't like people working with him. No, no, yeah. Um, but I think he probably allowed it because it was a pretty unique, like tough situation for the, all four people to be involved in. Um. So anyway, we, we saw him and uh, I remember saying that I think we had this in our head that we needed to win. And actually, yeah, we want to win, but we don't. Can we do, if we want to quit today, we can. There's nothing stopping us. Like There's there's nothing, there's no pressure for us to need to win it. And I think that, that ended up being the, the kind of changing point for how we approached the pair for the rest of the season. It was um, want was a more kind of positive energy and more passionate and it definitely felt for both of us and our careers before that uh, up until that point that it was through enjoyment and wanting to do well not needing anything um process driven yeah yeah so um yeah Stu ended up getting ill but a few times uh, uh before lucerne so i subbed into the eight um we were like we got, we got fourth we were maybe half a length of winning. I remember coming away thinking, I have just written off that four, that, that each result, and I'm, I'm never going to get a chance to look in. I was both, uh, Langers was ill, um, Pete Reed was injured or ill, so I was in, and then the whole lineup had changed. I look back at the race now, and I'm like, we were well in it, like we are in it. But I remember how, how deflated and how disappointed and how like upset I was with myself at the time was entirely unjustified. But the perspective because, from in a race and watching a race can be yeah. so different. Yeah. It's incredible, like so different. Yeah. It's really weird. I've had races like that where, you know, we spoke about this. I was like, oh, that crew's done. We've we've gone for them like they're done. Yeah. And then I'm like, it's like half a length at the, yeah. minute, at the finish. Yeah. But just because of like how you came through, the speed at which it happened, you can hear them, you can see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's diff there's so much more going in a race that like, gives you a different perspective yeah. especially if it feels like you're like roaring through sludge mm. you think you're must be going slow and then like everything feels like your your baggage at that point so yeah but um yeah so following that like got into the we had a, a um selection of death battle it's the final world cup and um yeah the that was the deciding factor and it was that was a huge pressure uh, for us to, to do to do the job and um I think uh yeah it just became a, a big big part of uh, of the reason why we maybe didn't perform at Rio because we had to, had to get there first and mm. we had this we beat them in the heat and then um well went separate ways in the semis and then the final um David Tanner had a word with the with world rowing so that they made sure that we were in 
side by side lanes, even though we like we we had a we were we should have had a middle lane, but we were putting the outside um, because it, the selection was more yeah, important yeah. than the World the Cup result in the race. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, we got we didn't get told about that until we we're on the start line, basically, uh, or something like that. Um, and then. Yeah, went through the, the the race, and I remember um, thinking it's going well, and I got through a thousand meters, and we were like, "Oh, same thing as like the semi final." Um, didn't didn't verbalize it, but we were right on the Kiwi's tail, and we were moving. And Stu was like, he was he was running hot, and he was going, and I was like, "Here we go, here we go!" I could see Hamish Bond. And I can hear him. And this is—I've never thought I'd be in this position before. I've raced him before. In 2014, I did the cops pair against him, and they obviously—we managed to get uh, to just. I mean, we pit them to 500. I can't remember, but we were like there at 500, and then they were gone. But like this race, I was like, we are with them. Like after halfway, this is this feels incredible. Um, so at that point, I was thinking, with this, we've got the selection. Now we're going for for like see how close we can get to these guys um and have we got to like maybe 500 to go and i called our first like move and not much happened um the rate changed but i didn't feel any speed change i was like okay we're working we're okay we're still holding speed at least and i got 300 to go and then i called the next lift um and then if anything we're starting to go slower and i was like oh no oh no <laughs> No, this can't happen. And then, uh, so we're going along, and, I, and I, I'm conscious of the fact that I can't, I can't, like, if I pull my hardest, I'm going to be pulling us into the lane next to us. Yeah. We're tiring to Noddy are in. And the last thing I wanted to do is to, like, mess up the whole selection and then have to do something else. Yeah. Um, so I might go in and tell students, like, left, 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 left. And then these two in the right are, like, cutting and tiring. As you know, Tyrant's got a big finish. So. Yeah. They were gunning for it when we get into the end. And I remember um, crossing the line. Stu's like fully, his, his shoulders up behind his ears. It's like so high. And I'm like, God, I'm touching it over the line. And then we get across and they're beep, beep. And I'm like, shit, shit, did do it. And then I'm looking at the screen in Poznan. I've watched Hamish Bond and uh, Eric Murray. And then the Australians actually went past us for the silver. I'm waiting for the next like shot to be us or them. And it came up with us. Thank God. And uh, but it wasn't like celebration. It was just like elation and relief. Just all that pressure. Just and uh, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at all because I. <clears throat> these are two guys that were my best mates, yeah. and I again same with when it was with you when you first got the team. I I didn't know what to say because I knew there was nothing really I could say. Um, I felt terrible that um, that I'd done that. I know it wasn't me that did it, and it's, but it's almost and it's also all the other guys that are in the eight and the four that yeah. that did it at the trials. But it felt very much like it was because of us. They're not they're not going to the Olympics and messes with racing seats. So yeah, I felt terrible about that. But um, and it does like it, it's hard to celebrate when when I like we put on the the gold bibs on the podium. But we hadn't done a World Cup. It was because the, those two had won the first, the first World Cups, and we were getting this, like <clears throat> these gold bibs. And I was like, <clears throat> I don't feel like I, 
burnt this, so it feels like I should go inside to them. And then I'd be weird if I said these are yours, and it's it's just it's rubbish. So, um, yeah. And then we we didn't get told we were selected. Uh, it wasn't like the coaches said to us, "Well done, like got it." It was nothing. Um, it was like go away and do your. We got a day or two off, um, and then yeah. So I didn't. It was like two. Yeah, sorry, two days off, and then kitting out olympic kissing out day so i found out i basically found out i was going to olympics and kitting out day um because when i arrived they said what i was getting and the spares the other two were getting something like less i think um so yeah that was a another experience in the whole process that maybe wasn't how it i thought it i wished it could be like because mm-hmm. everybody else bar means to knew they were going and we're looking forward to this cool kitting out day it was fun but we were just written off and psychologically drained from this massive race. I think loads of things like that. The anticipation is actually better than the um, than the day itself, is it? You know, like whatever, yeah. whatever that thing is called, that race or the kit or a lot of the, or the presentations, they're cool. But it's knowing it's coming, which is when that's robbed from you. Yeah, yeah, can take away from it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was hard, but. Um, yeah, and then uh, and Olympics. Like six yeah. weeks out or five weeks out yeah. the Olympics or something. Yeah, then we got, well, both of us got ill. Um, clearly just, yeah, uh, went up the mountain and then both of us are ill. Spent about four days um, in our hotel rooms just trying to get better. And obviously being at altitude, you slows down your recovery if you have anything. So, um, yeah, we missed out on a bit of training and then uh weren't going quite so well and then obviously it makes it even harder because you've got these other two guys with the spares and they're actually going quite well and then you're constantly thinking what well, if you're i mean technically you can change the the, the kind of entry mm-hmm. until quite quite late it's not it's not like a done deal yet and we never got told we're selected so it was just like and it obviously didn't help our our like recovery either because we're just stressing but um yeah, then we went to uh, Varese that year and for the you know, pre-Worlds camp. Uh, went better. It was definitely ruined better. Like, technically, we got it as good as we ever had it. <clears throat> but it didn't feel like we had the same kind of fire, like the same kind of beans. Um, uh, went to the Olympics and still like still felt like we were a bit flat. Um, Energy-wise? Yeah, and like the arrival in Rio was like a bit, yeah, sapped in terms of, uh, yeah, everyone was hyped. Everyone was energy uh, compared to what I felt inside. I was like smiling and like chatting and things, but I didn't feel like I, I was, I, I hadn't arrived. Mm. That makes sense. Imposter syndrome. Uh, it wasn't that I felt like I hadn't earned it because at that point I was like I de- I've done everything mm. I've done every I've got I've got my ticket I've got there but it was almost like is this it like I, I should I should be feeling better about this yeah um and then yeah the the heat was awful because it was those crazy crazy conditions you know like, yeah um, uh, was it Serbians that fell in Serbians or Russians no Serbians yeah. Serbians that fell in. A few other crews like like pr- practically sunk. Um, we got through um, from the heat to this semi by the skin of our teeth, um, and then yeah, after this, I think after the heat, we had a similar conversation as from the um, pre-trials. Like, we got to just boot it. 
Like, if it's going to be rough conditions, we're wasting our time trying to run ice. We just need to boost it. If in doubt. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, we took that approach. The semi, semi was great. That had a really good row. And it was, it was flat camp. It was like lovely conditions, like exactly what you want to have for your Olympics. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't that for the final. Uh, I remember I got up the start and, uh, yeah, like I'd spent the previous hour like warming up on the bike and I was like, I was like such emotions before going even to the boat because I was thinking like in an hour's time, there's probably a hundred people that know me, they'll be watching this race and I could I could be the, the factor in whether they have a, a good day or a really good day um, because it's going to be good if they, they see there's someone they know on the TV at the Olympics, it's epic, but if I can come away with a medal, that's going to make so many people's day. And that, no, that, man, and that they all had like, the best day watching you there. Yeah, I know. But like in that moment, I was thinking, I can make so many people happy. If I, obviously for myself, but it was just that mo- I started realization. And I, I remember tearing my eyes out. thinking, Jesus Christ. And Catherine Granger was to my left. And I was thinking, Jesus, this, this is embarrassing. Fuck. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then going out. Um, I don't think she noticed, thankfully. Yeah, but, but she was on her fifth. Come on, that's not. That's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah. a fair fight. Um, and uh, so, yeah, went out, and I remember being like, oh, I really wish these conditions were good. And it's bad because, and then the one thing I probably regret from my, my performance was that uh, there was moments during the warm up where I was like, "Is this actually going to be my Olympic final? Is this is this how we're going to decide the last however many years I put into?" getting to this point it's going to be conditions that if it was a viz we'd probably cancel the session um and uh yeah i yeah we did the start we had decent starts but were dropped and then to the middle the thing we were working on through the year was just like really really strong middle and then pushing hard to the 500s and then seeing what we got left and um yeah Stu did an amazing job um, you sent it. You went for it. Yeah. Well, I think this is something that a lot of people come up to me afterwards and said, "Oh, I'm really sorry, Alan. I'm really sorry. Like, I just wish students blow and this, 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 and that." There and like, he obviously pulled around at the end. And I'm like, "Why are you saying like sorry as if it's like his fault? Like, it's not. Like, I'm as much to blame because clearly I didn't match him in terms of output earlier in the race. And if I had done that, maybe he wouldn't have blown earlier early as he did, and maybe I would." judged it better so like both of us didn't quite pace it right and uh yeah we were in silver medal with 500 to go and then he just similar to the, the world cup race he just tightened up tightened up and I was like as soon as that happened started happening i was like no and, and the south africans are like tearing through us and i was like come on hold on to this for the bronze and then i remember literally like i just got to try and stay in the same lane and i was just touching it to try and hold it straight and then it was like even me doing nothing it was starting to to pull around i remember saying to him put the steering on um so he had steering on full lock against me uh because i saw the two boats to my left and i was like i'm not coming last in this race and uh, those two boats to my right are passed so i don't have to worry about impeding them so i just like pull i pulled hard and wanted to get over the line before anyone else does so um yeah, but I, yeah, I remember feeling pretty distraught and uh, disappointed. Not because we hadn't done our best, because we did everything we could in the day, but because it hadn't been 
our best performance like i knew we were better were given that, the opportunity to, 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 to show yeah, your sure best. best yeah yeah um but like i'm not sick i very much doubt that everyone gets that it's probably only the olympic champions that that do do bring that that kind of a game so um so yeah no i i uh we did everything we could and dealt with the circumstances as well as we could and um yeah force at the games like all the people say to me, oh, it's the hardest place you could ever come. Hardest position. I'm like, fifth would have been worse. Last <laughs> like, would have sucked. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of places worse. There's a lot of in the world. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, I get it. Like not having a bit of mess around my neck would have been um, worse than having having one. But I, as much as having all the kind of press and all that stuff afterwards, it lasts for a while. And yes, it would have been nice. It would like, sure you got a bit of money from it, a few TV appearances and things, but it's not really what you remember, like the things that you um, take away from it, it's all other stuff. So, um, no, I, I, I'm not saying I, I would far rather have got a medal, but I definitely don't look back at it and um, anything other than gratitude. So I was really lucky. And then, um, but I, I'd actually decided before we'd raced our final, I was like, I want to decide prior to having the outcome in, in like influencing the decision whether I want to carry on or not yeah and I thought I've just had the best time the last four years have been so good like I've made the best friends experienced things I never thought I experienced uh pushed myself learned so many things about myself developed an actual com- competitive attitude and wanted to beat people and uh I want to do that more and and then so yeah if if i got a medal or if i didn't i was deciding i was going to carry on anyway so um but yeah so uh, i'm told to deal with that yeah cool yeah it's something i've learned like i was always sort of unhappy with what i achieved or whatever or felt like it wasn't enough or wish i'd had more and then i get to sit here and listen to everyone else who's achieved what i wish what i would have dreamed of achieving and be like oh maybe i could have got more maybe it was enough and then you realize like whatever you got to, wherever you got to, there'll always be someone who's done better and there'll always be someone yeah. who's done worse. And you just got to be like, this is me. This was my journey and this yeah, is as yeah. far as I got. And I think the further you get away from it, the more you can look at it objectively. But um, yeah, well, no, it's awesome. What Alex Partridge said is that the older he gets, the better you are. So yeah, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> the, the reverse effect. Yeah. People start to forget who actually came where and you can just kind of make stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know it was it's so funny because like, when they're in the next Olympiad, I remember guys would come in and uh, I uh, I would be telling them about like my idols, those like yeah, like yeah. Steve Williams, and yeah. they'd be like, "Who? Steve Williams? How do you not know who Steve Williams is? He's got yeah. two Olympic gold medals." I've just had like, that exact same get, conversation. Get some culture in you, because this is like <laughs> serious, like history. You need to to know about. They're not that much older than you, mm. um, but yeah, like you pass the mantle on to the the, the people who are that are doing it now, and like that's that's kind of the, I guess the beauty of it is like you're you're there for such a small snapshot time and. If anything, it makes it more spe- like made them more special for me, knowing that um, no one cares. Only person that needs to care is me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's some people who, who who like look at your story and people who can relate to it and like um, 
appreciate you for you, who you are, but not for necessarily what you've achieved. And that's um, that's why I love the sport. So I think that world class is world class, and fourth at the Olympics is world class. Yeah. And I, I don't care what medal you've got, like that is world class. Yeah. And I put you up with anyone else who went there. So. And that's in like rough conditions in water that you said like normally your training sessions would have been cancelled. Like you can't judge objectively based off of that. It's just it's just one event. And if you ran it 10 times, who knows how many times you would have got a medal around your neck instead. Yeah, who knows. Right, so there's a couple of things we've got to talk about briefly. So life after rowing. So what you're doing now, obviously coaching, like why we're here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm coaching, I'm the director of rowing for University of St. Andrews. Um, I was really lucky to... Um. Yeah, but the end of my rowing career wasn't the uh, ideal. wasn't wasn't like desires desirable in the way any shape or or form. But uh, I'd been planning to come back to Scotland whenever I did um, stop rowing. Mm-hmm. I knew that if whenever uh, Tokyo was done, whatever if I made it, if I didn't, I was going to stop after that. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, maybe we can talk about another time we chat, but the the next Olympiad actually, I think following that fourth place, even though I went into the next Olympiad wanting to continue enjoying myself and getting better, there was a looming kind of, you missed out on this. And it was almost like every single time, every month that went past, there'd be another event that Will or someone or Mo would be going to who were still training where they'd be going away to this thing because they got medals and whatever. And it was always that kind of mission out, a mission out. And and that was like, the, it became like the the reason to keep going. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that was the reason I didn't enjoy the next four years, but it was definitely, I think it, it started the trend of me not really appreciating as much as I did before. I think the most enjoyment I got out of that Olympiad was actually um, rowing a pair of retirement. Um, it was only a short period, but um, we won trial, won final trials, and in 2018, and then went in the eight together. Um, but that was that was really fun. And then, to be honest, again, managing to get in the pair with Stu in 2020 um, after his like years of of like injury, which were just phenomenal. How he managed to graft. I mean talk about someone who's had it hard up like uh he's like he went through the mill with that injury and he came out the other side and um he was still a world-class athlete but um yeah and the pair was great with him again but just hadn't quite got to that sweet point we needed a bit more time but anyway sorry so um fast forward to me stopping after uh covid well during covid uh kind of part of it was because i needed to prioritize well part of the reason that british rowing weren't maybe as good as they should have been um but i i um my daughter was one and so i i asked for some more support in that i didn't want to have to come down for like two weeks before the trial if the trial was going to be decided and they weren't letting let me um despite they not being in the selection process, they were like, no, I get down here. So um, I was like, I can't, I, I potentially could be away for six weeks from my family and they've not got any support network. And I can't do that. Like, please, I pleaded with them, pleaded with Brandon, um, but they were like, no, no. And I was like, well, it's like you're deciding my career's over. So 
that'll be it then. Um, but the next, so I had been in touch with the University of St. Andrews and um, they had said to me that we'll, they'll keep me in mind and they were, they had gone through a process to see if they could find a director, um, hadn't got any good applications. Um, and then when I, it was literally the day or two after I'd had that conversation with Brendan about me stopping. Um, I remember standing in the kitchen like with bear in my hand, I think, and just being like, yeah, that's, I guess that's it. And the Steph was at work at the time and being like, this is mad. I'm retiring. <laughs> like in, in, in Ross, like just nothing. And yeah, so um, no one reached out afterwards. Um, so it was really tough. Like Paul Stannard didn't, didn't, hasn't still spoken to me once and he was the one that was in charge and he, he decided that I wouldn't be involved and yeah so um yeah not uh not a big fan uh, of how that went down and, and Paul but it's just yeah anyway we uh got a phone call from my boss now and he said whenever you finish your rowing you've got a job offer like, <laughs> and I was like well <laughs> just so happens I've Kind of just finished, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I'm a bit messed up right now, so I'm probably going to need about a month to get my head around it. And uh, but I, I think it's highly likely I'll take up that offer. Um, and then so I did, and I, I um, loved it. The group I joined was sorry. I was going to say, did you think about coaching as a career path? Uh, I kind of. It was only because. So I did coaching before as part-time job. I really liked it. I, I love the fact that I'm able to um, share the experience I have mm. uh, has, and uh, it's because I haven't got any other experience. I've not got, <laughs> I've not got really real life uh, experiences. So like the one thing I can pass on is this: if it ends up being a cheat sheet, or if it ends up being just yeah, how to rowboat differently and better maybe that's something that'll be useful and i can monetize that then great yeah um but uh i didn't have i didn't have any inclination to do anything else so i was like well i'd rather dip my tone and tone the real world with coaching and see maybe what i like about it if there's if there's parts of it that i want to do and then even if it gets me a year or two into finding that answer out and then going into that. Then sure. at least I'm like, I've got a decent job and that shows I've got some experience because if you go into the deep end and some like, I don't know, finance or marketing and you're grafting so hard, you're at the bottom of the pile because you have no experience and you might not even like it. So I was like, well, I'd rather well do something I enjoy. I'll get some gratification from, get some money from and get a re reputation. Then it's, it sets me off. I like as a gym. Kerry quote is you can fail at what you don't enjoy so you may as well have a go at what you do yeah 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 so so yeah I loved it and uh um definitely gave me some a different perspective on growing and how to how much time has to go into planning uh oh, yeah. I think we yeah I, I definitely took for granted how much it um I apologize to all the the under coaches and GB coaches who uh, I criticise for program out in time. Just send us out. Give us give us like a week's notice of what's actually happening. And actually, yeah, there's a few times where I've um, been late sending it out, and it's it is tough. There's a lot of things, a lot of um, 
spinning wheels and a lot there's of people some, to consider and there's definitely some things like that where yeah where you're like oh, i maybe should have you know had a bit more patience or whatever but also i think like as having coached and having been part of some performance teams um even at the sort of lower level home countries and stuff also like because the people around there are ex-rowers there's there becomes this kind of competition certainly when i did with wales it's like how little can how much can we take care of everything so the rowers don't need because we know that their best performance comes from them just doing their thing. Yeah. So then you're just doing everything for them anyway. Sometimes in a, in a bad way. Yeah. But into, but you saw. But then it made me think, like, oh, as an athlete, on, oh, how did I not sort of notice everything that was being done for me? But that was intentional. Yeah. Because it's being taken off. Yeah, as yeah, much yeah. as you possibly can. Yeah. So it is this kind of a double-edged thing where you're like, oh, I wish I'd sort of known more. But also they did their job really well. Because yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Is that is that kind of um. It took me a while to recognize that I'm there to teach them how to learn. I'm not there to like give them a color by numbers mm-hmm. approach to how to row faster. Like the, the, all the gratification you will get from the sport is by when you do it yourself. Like that's all I got. So if I all of a sudden give everyone a cheat sheet and how I rode well, maybe they will go faster. But they won't get any of the, the satisfaction that I know I felt from the. I know it took years, but I can kind of nudge them in the right direction and give them hints and things. But I think um, the real value in the time, and I think, yeah, you might go a bit faster, but I, I truly believe that if they're going to go far in a sport, you need to learn how how to love it. It's um, long. It's long term. Yeah, it's it's you can you can force someone into the correct position, or you can teach them how to find it themselves. Yeah, because you're not always going to be there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been it's been great. The the, the um, super excited about the the way the direction the the university is going and and the support it's given both me and the program uh, pushing towards uh, coastal sculling. Fingers yeah. crossed. Next weekend, we'll find out if it's uh, Olympic sports. Yeah, um, that's when the IOC are meeting. So um, we've got our event the same next weekend as well. So it might be a cool announcement to make over the Tanoi. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got. I mean, you can't see it, but the beach is like behind us, and it's literally on the doorstep uh, of the campus. And so it, it seems stupid not to to use that um that resource and it's yeah it's exciting we got we won't ever compete in terms of uh talents rowing talent coming to st andrews with oxford cambridge brooks edinburgh even um because if you want to do well in rowing at university you won't come here mm. um you will come here for a really good degree like a, a reason a, the re- admits the sole reason is going to be the best degree you can get in the country and uh so i have to work with that one i have to make sure that they're getting a good degree and not making it so hard as a training program that they are compromising that or so hard that they just don't do it um and but on the other side of it is that they are really smart kids they're really uh switched on and they because of the the kind of obstacles they have to go over to get to where they want to achieve and commit time um they they're usually more attentive to a lot of stuff like when i first arrived they didn't have anybody in staff so there was a very student-led club mm. and um and i've kind of i'm not let them continue that 
explicitly, but they, they've held on to the responsibilities of the committee way more than most university committees do. So the secretary does a ton of work, like it's ridiculous how much work they do in planning bookings and everything. The president is just even more, like both men's and women's captains are smashing it with organizing their two squads. <clears throat> Novice coaches, like just the amount of time they put into making sure those are coming through the, the program from grassroots are... It's just phenomenal to be part of. Uh, I think there's a, a real, that's like that. A real sweet spot in coaching for um, coaching people who really want to be there, yeah. but also are doing it for fun. Yeah, like coaching at GB level in the end, I'm, I'm sure is incredibly rewarding, but also incredibly difficult, very stressful. Right at the top end, there's not a lot of room for fun. Yeah, right down the bottom end. If you're coaching kids who don't really want to be there, <coughs> it's quite fun, but you're not making any progress yeah so i think there's like yeah, a yeah. sweet spot um which i found as well at times in my coaching where you know like they turn it up they be they want to be there but they also have fun and they have laugh and i yeah. think that's rewarding as well for sure yeah. just being able to like give people this sport that you love yeah it's like awesome yeah and as a, and being in charge of it being able to be like i'm going to take out those bits that are crap that when like when a coach doesn't tell me what's going on or when i'm not i'm going to take that crap out yeah and i'm going to give them this thing that i love and I'm going to watch people fall in love with it. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I guess yeah. also like a great, great thing about being at a really good university like St. Andrews is the fact that, you know, it's not super easy for you guys to get on a water all the time throughout the entire year, like to go to trials or to like go to like nationwide events. You know, you have to drive hours and hours to Dorney. So the people who are, who really do take up rowing, they, they want to do it they, they must enjoy it and it's yeah. it's great that you're able to to share that passion with them yeah no i think uh, I, i'm the i don't want to turn this into a big sales pitch for the university uh, no do. Because it's, do, because, do but it's um i try to run the program kind of in harmony with the the academic approach and that um uh, this I apologize to admissions if they end up watching this and I managed to, to bastardize it. But basically, the um, as opposed to other universities where you can get given a reading list and you're told these are the outcomes you want to learn, these are things you got to do to, to pass your exams, it, St. Andrews is very much, this is the subject, go learn the subject. Mm. And it's very much like you learn holistically everything about that subject and uh, it could be... It, take, it requires a lot of independent thought and an independent th um, uh, initiative to, to go and seek out information. And so with the rowing, I think it's, it's I, I try to make it similar in that you it won't happen. I'm not going to tell you everything you need to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a program and it's up to you how you deliver the quality. And that quality will be the thing that, that decides whether you're going to be making it into a certain crew or a certain squad or competing against some really good crews in the in the country so um and the the same goes for like the the general attitude like people who come to when i've i've gone to um america for headley charles to do a bit of recruitment um i did it last year it was really really useful but um spoke to undergrads and it's just so hard to get in here yeah like Really, really smart kids. Really good rowers. That the, the sporting stuff doesn't make any difference. Like Oxford and Cambridge, like admissions don't care. If yeah. You're Olympic gold medalist. You've got to be smart enough and want to study. Um, but uh, I find like a few kids, quite quite a few, that applied and just didn't get in. And I'm like, 
it's just it's so tough to get in. Postgrads might be a bit different this year. That's why I'm going to change my tact a little bit. But the one thing I will say to people that um, are thinking of coming to St Andrews or maybe on their radar is that you, you won't you won't compete. You won't get a Henley Medal. Um, certainly not in the near future. Um, I'd love to say we could, but um, but what you will learn is a huge amount of skills that will carry you way further than other universities will. And that's not to, to badmouth any other universities, more just that we've got so many more things to overcome. So like travel, we've got an hour's drive to get to Lahore. So that's for a training session. An hour drive back. There's no boathouse there. Got to rig it up, derig. Um, there's, uh, yeah, the, the academic schedule is really tough, really rigorous. Um, December is basically a write-off for us in terms of water because the weather is terrible. So mm. we're now going to, this year, going to do land training. Um, we just don't get in the water as much as anybody else uh, normally, even in a good week. So it's literally Wednesday afternoons if there's enough light and then one day at the weekend. So the rest of the time we're on the ergo. I'm, I'm pretty confident in my coaching that I can get them from the kind of springtime up to a good standard technically. But um, ultimately, we're never going to be able to compete physiologically with those big programs and uh, they're going to be in the water more so well what I will say is that they the time taken they're kind of pushing through all that and enjoying it and they'll be taking on the responsibility of a committee position being responsible for making sure that not just you're good you're doing your best but looking after other people and that kind of reflects on I think that reflects from my rowing career like I got the reason I did well, I believe is because I brought the best out of people around me. Mm. Um, I don't think I was that good. I could, I know you just might understand. I, I know I wasn't rubbish, but um, I made some big, big steps. But generally speaking, every step of the way has been because I've made the person I'm rowing with better or their best. Is that not? Is that not the ultimate skill? Yeah. Well, hopefully, hope that that's one. Try. If, if anything, that's the thing I want to get out of other people is to. I coach that you don't need to be the best. You just need to get the best out of people around you. Um, so if I can teach them how to do that and they can learn that and that's a default thing, whatever program they go to after St. Andrews, if you plan to, to continue rowing, or maybe it's just a real world thing, you go to a business, you have that as a default um, mentality, it will feel like a breeze. Oh, you yeah. will succeed. Those skills are so transferable. There's things yeah. we've talked about. Yeah, I was even like servicing eggs at the Reading Blue Coast um, school recently and I was speaking to Alan French, uh, great guy. And then he was talking about how, yeah, they might not be able to compete with the likes of like Hampton, Eton, etc. But what they're not what they're not just doing is they're not just teaching these kids how to row great, etc. But they're teaching them how to smash life, basically how to be really good at like, you know, working in a team, working towards a goal, being oriented, disciplined, etc. And like, there's so many more things you can get out of a sport yeah. than just a, than just a bit of metal and just even the camaraderie and the experiences, the challenges you have to overcome within yourself. Like all of that is going to hugely carry into the the remainder of your life. And I, I, I think it's great that even with the limited resources that you might at this moment in time have at the University of St. Andrews, still seem to be doing a very, very good job. And like, I'm really looking forward to like seeing more crews uh, from, from this club at Henley. I'm really excited about the beach print stuff as well. I think it's it's um, it's really exciting for smaller programs because it's much smaller numbers um, 
it's different. It seems like there's a bit more fun in it, which I think wearing at a high level has lost. And ultimately, like you know, if you want to do what Brooks's do, you need you need a hundred rowers and, yeah. and and three boat houses and, yeah. and six gyms, and it's not everyone can have that. And I think it's good for rowing in general that you know you quite often see at the top America, Canada, Germany, Britain. And I think hopefully with things like binge sprint, binge sprint, you're going to see some other people pop out. It's going to be yeah. fun. It's going to be fun to see. Well, the um, the, I, I didn't finish off. Uh, I must have diverted um, my attention. But what I was going to say earlier was that the uh, about the students here. Yeah. Um, we've got a few students that have gone to British Champs and got medals, and like the first time they went down and uh, won at Nat Champs, and you're like, well, it takes a decent like it's. I'm not saying it's. I know it's a new sport and it's it's in its infancy in terms of um, like people understanding how to go fast in it, but um, the type of athlete we do have here is the kind of person that is diligent, is thinking about how they can be be um, better as they are, um, and maybe a bit more switched on, maybe understanding conditions better. We've got to see here, yeah. like going out and, and experiencing rough stuff and learning what it takes to make a boat go fast when it's not balanced. You're never going to have flat water on the no, sea. No, yeah. exactly. So, well, I mean, you do. We had, actually, a couple of weeks ago with literally a week of... I, I would have loved. No, no, honestly. <laughs> the, the HR team, the Scottish team were here and uh, they were cursing it because it was, you would prefer to have yeah, a, a single and just go out, just row out to sea and it was just perfect blast. But anyway, yeah, sorry. They, um, but like Gregor, who, who rose for us, he's Sterling Rowing Club, um, but he, he rose for us um, because we support him and his coastal stuff. I'm sure he won't uh, take offence to me saying he's a, very average lightweight he's, a, he's not lightweight he's just a bit above um but he's the best one of the best in the world in coastal beach sprints like he is nailing it but he is a he's super driven guy super diligent and he he is going out there and figuring out how to make the tiny differences to how he gets in the boat to how he's putting his what way he's having his blades to the first stroke how he's turning the thing like so much meticulous thought into the margins that make a bigger difference than having a 10 second faster 2k mm. um so like he's turned over charles cousins who's probably still breaking 555 in a 2k <sighs> um and he's like i know he's retired from flat water but he's still taking beach sprints seriously and he's doing great at it but like if you're comparing like athletes like from the flat watchers context like charles should be absolutely demolishing him but he's not and that's why it's exciting like yeah. going back to what you said about smaller nations like yeah. most countries have a beach so yeah um and it doesn't take it doesn't cost to have a beach because yeah. you've got it already and so you can just get a boat and just go out and crack on see how it feels and um yeah all the boats at the this big major events are pool boats mm. so there's no advantage to having a empacker or a felipe or whatever there'll be a understanding of what boat you're going to get and everyone's got the same thing so yeah, I'm really hoping it gets involved. I know it's a bit of a Marmite thing. Like a lot of, I mean, might have people on the podcast before, I don't know. Because um, I have heard people on social media saying, oh, Coastal, like, give it a rest, this, that, and the other. And I see it as like the same way, I'm sure, road cycling, mountain biking, like Tom Piddick, um, Vanderpoel, like these two guys that are top of the game in both. Yeah. But like, mountain biking clearly makes their 
downhill road biking really goes. Yeah. And equally, the road biking is you know, the physiology side is going to play so much into the mountain biking. So I think it's quite similar in, in, in road. Yeah, I've seen that stuff on social media. I think people just don't like change. Um, but ultimately, uh, Olympic wearing for a while has been worried about the fact that it's not very diverse. And they've been doing a lot of things like trying to make sure you know there's selection from different groups so africa has a separate selection from europe and things like that in the single but ultimately the olympics is about being inclusive and that's where it's moving and new sports coming and because they're inclusive and because young people are doing it and if rowing as a sport can't be inclusive it can't have lots of different small nations and nations in general joining it it's not going to keep going yeah. and and it and if it's just canada america germany Great britain over the line every single time it might be four, eight, twelve years before they're saying, "Scrap this," because yeah, there's right. a bunch of other sports where yeah. MS is getting involved. Yeah. So we need to, if you're not progressing, you're standing still, and you know that as an athlete, and I think as a sport, I think that's what part of it is. So it's like, get on board, or or you'll get left behind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with beach swims, I've not really had much experience to even like watch it or try it out, but it looks super fun, and I keep hearing from people that I should try it. So hopefully, in the next in the next few few months or few years, I'll, I'll definitely like try and double with it. We've had. Emma Dyke come on a podcast. She's doing beach sprints this year. I'm gonna get Charles Cousins, big shout out on the podcast. Like he's obviously smashing it with with beach sprints. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've had some bad news recently about rowing. Rest in peace to lightweight rowing. But maybe all those lighties can can show their skill in in beach sprints. Because if you know, if there's not that much difference between big pullers and relative lightweights, then then yeah, hopefully hopefully it's not all bad. Because like. Just hearing that news is just just heartbroken. Like lightweight rowing used to be like some of my favorite racing to watch, but maybe maybe it's not all going to be lost. Yeah, I I, like I I love watching the racing, but I I, I don't feel so bothered. I, I'm going to probably upset some people, but I I never liked it because it it wasn't healthy. Like it it always made me feel like those people could they weren't achieving their best. Mm. Like they weren't being their best self. And like I I don't coach. I don't as people that turn up at the university. I'm like, I, I, we don't do lightweights because I don't want one because it's no point anymore, and two because I want you to be the best person you can be, mm -hmm. and you being five kilograms and your than your optimal weight doesn't strike me as being your best. So I know you could argue the case of well, maybe they're faster because they're leaner, but um, I mean, maybe you get close racing if you had an eighty kilogram category. Yeah, yeah. So like, everyone's going to be the same weight the same power and everything yeah. at a given weight and yes it's close but yeah i don't know um yeah i feel so obviously for the athletes that it's getting removed it's that they've got to the top of the game hopefully those that compete next year can can uh, have a good one to see it off but yeah it's weird you know there aren't many other sports with there's not like 400 meter relay and 400 meter relay for 70 kilo people yeah um so it's a bit of a strange thing but like you said the racing was always awesome to watch because yeah. it was capped um but yeah, again, like, yeah, if beach sprints, if having an enormous erg doesn't make the difference, then all of a sudden, yeah, like it opens it up again for it. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, cool. So, I mean, so yeah, but and uh, as well as St. Andrews, um, you're also doing a little bit of extra coaching. Yeah, What's um, I've started working with Jack Burns at Edge Rowing, uh, joined the team there, and yeah, love it. Like, the team's great. Uh, shout out to Edge Rowing. So the who's on the team? Go on. Oh, like uh, there's a huge list of is it? Yeah, now, it's yeah. decent list of people. But and, and to be honest, I've I've only got just um, my athletes are 
probably like five of them. But um, uh, yeah, so it's a growing list, and some yeah, some people come for like six weeks, some people kind of stay fairly full time on it. But um, yeah, I'm loving it because all these people have um, a bot into a program, and they're getting us. Like, I'm in awe of what Jack's doing. Mm-hmm. Like he's 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 putting on a service that is as good as I would argue better than the elite athletes get mm. um in terms of coaching service in what way would you say that shows just uh just the i mean obviously it's not on hand it's this like it's remote yes yeah. i mean he does do some stuff in person but it's the the training program the individualizing of of the programming uh to suit and the person's needs so it might be they've got a family and they've got a job and they can only do certain hours or it might be their really dedicated and they want to, to cram in as much as they can so it's a very individualized program for mm-hmm. every single person that's on that on that team and um and with very different goals some people want to just go smash an ergo some people want to go and um be top 10 at head of the charles and in, in veteran uh, 50 plus categories like it's a huge huge spectrum of of people want to achieve but it's uh, a really co- close knit team of people who are supporting each other, and so they have like lots of chats on the their WhatsApp group and sharing their scores with each other, and everyone's really supportive. And it's just nice to mm-hmm. um, to, to see such uh, awesome energy from people from all over the world um, coming together and enjoying the sport. And Jack's super passionate about it, and he he like me has had a not ideal experience in terms of his, his exit at the team and um i know he wasn't in as long but he was an incredible athlete and uh yeah he's got he's got so much to to give back to the sport and he's, he's doing a great job of it so um i'm looking forward to, to continuing working with them that's awesome we we also think it's pretty cool which is uh is another person on our list to to see where we're up here so uh i don't know when that episode will come out but also watch this space for for a bit more information yeah. on what's going on with that absolutely shout out to jack yeah i haven't met him in person yet but uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun i reckon yeah yeah, yeah. watch the accent <laughs> oh <laughs> two two vegans in the podcast then yeah so yeah, yeah. Wait, that's, well, so. i think that's something we're gonna have to get in next time yeah we are, I'd, like, I'd like to pick your brains about how that went down but, um, and also we can finish the second Olympiad during the second yeah. episode yeah. the oh, return of Al Sinclair we'll, we'll do the lightsabers <laughs> as well <laughs> I think that'll be cool yeah. Uh, yeah I mean shout out also to Roy I think you're pretty lucky that you got on here before him he's he's also pretty huge character dad. yeah the yeah. best known yeah. dad in, in British yeah right? he is and he added me on Instagram and it was like you know when it tells you like how many people you've got in common it's like you and Roy have got like 87 friends yeah. in common. And it's just <laughs> everyone I've ever known who's got anything to do with rowing. Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know so anything about this. Yeah, everyone knows Al's my, dad. My dad is is like um, an enigma um, <laughs> in, in the sport. He, he, this is so funny because he's for a, a long while, and to be honest, it's still like he's the guy you see in a high-vis jacket directing the trailers when you go to Inverness Head. Yeah. And he's also the guy that drives the umpires up the far side of the course and makes sure they have a hot drink and the, and the when they're doing the timings. Uh, he's also the one that turns up to World Cup events and he's literally in the grandstand chatting to every single parent. He knows, like, he would know more about most of the people on the team 
based on the chats with their parents than I know from them directly. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Just like he, he, he can talk to anybody. And yeah, I, I know a, a huge amount of um, credit to my success to him and how he got me into the sport and never like he encouraged me, never pushed me. Yeah. Like he, 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 um, he was awesome for, for those first formative years. And, um, and yeah, he's still he's still a big fan. And I'm a huge fan of him. But like he he won a his his um he's got a really cool uh, medal from when he won the Scottish Championships. It's like this uh, gold plated solid silver medal, and it's like it's quite small, but it's like a proper medal. Nice. Um, back in the day, and um, yeah. So I remember the one of the one of the funniest times. Uh, this is a classic Roy story. He um, I'm rowing. <laughs> In what was it? It was the the European champs. Okay, yeah. Okay, um, and we're in training with Stu. I run along, come past the halfway mark, and like my peripheral vision, I'm like, oh, weird. That guy looks like, looks like my dad. And this is not like at the grandstand bit, but I just I remember running past and just thinking, yeah, looks like my dad. Weird. And he hadn't told me he was coming out, but it was my dad. That's why. <laughs> He was he was there. Just there. He just just turned up and he decided to, to surprise me. And I, and uh, I didn't find out like confirm until uh, I was in the changing rooms after the session. And uh, Mo or Gregor or someone sent me a a WhatsApp of um, of the their four with with him in the grandstand <laughs> selfie. It's like yes. with Big Roy, and I was like, what? Okay, That's right. So Let's funny. find him. Yeah. They ended up knowing so many people. It's like yeah. he's just around. Like even when you're not around, he'd just be around, like talking to some other. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like other parents would be in the corner, like oh, just yeah. waiting for my child. And he's just like chatting to anyone. Yeah, yeah. awesome. That was, that was like a we'll have to get him on next time. Maybe. I was going to say that. Yeah, we'll <laughs> oh, get God. we'll get right. These are all day for that. One, <laughs> yeah. Oh. You mean you need to do that? You know the Netflix where you can put the the the, the playback speed one point yeah. five because that's definitely have that option. <laughs> some of those stories need to be yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's uh, right. Before we finish, then we normally do some quick fire questions, which you'll know of. Yeah, dude. So, I was trying to I was trying to wrap my head what we're gonna say for these, but yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. For the quick fires. Yeah, I was, oh, I, that was, those are the ones I'm most stressed about because I don't know what to say. But go on. Oh, you don't know what I'm going to ask you. Oh, the different kinds. I thought they were like same every time. Yeah, they are. Well, oh, they're, okay. they're usually same every time. But now that you've said that, I'm going to ask you a different one. Okay. Okay. So my yeah, go go the same ones as well. But okay, but I want one. I want I want to get an extra one. Is uh, sweep or sculling and why? That's what I wanted to ask. That is exactly what I wanted to ask. <laughs> Got it. Oh, man, that's tough. It's going to be a sweep though. Yeah, <gasps> heartbroken. I thought you would have said sculling, which is a weird yeah. one. It's going to be sweet because it, it is. Funny. I, it, it would. It's the pair is my favorite boat. Yeah. Pair's favorite boat class. Like, I love uh, the double and I love the single, but like, there's nothing gives you the same satisfaction as a pair. I feel like so, there's nothing as elusive as pair speed. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what Tom says as well about the pair. I always argue the double is a better bow, but he's like, no, no, it has to be the pair. I've had some incredible experiences in the double, like some really good experiences. But it, yeah, they just it isn't pale in comparison. But there's just something, something else with the pair. Fair enough. I've got to ask you a question of uh, <laughs> out of all the racing venues that you might have visited, trained at, or raced at. 
what are some of your favorites and why um not rio even though that's <laughs> like in- incredibly iconic venue and like i can't wait till bear my daughter is at an age where she could actually look she's she loves rio the the cartoon the pixar film oh, we've yeah. seen that so she loves the place and when i've had a few conversations you know daddy went to rio and she's like <gasps> And I've, I've pulled out the video and she lets it last like 10 seconds. She sees me in the start line and she's like, I'm not just told. But I'm sure at some yeah. point in the future. She, yeah, well, exactly. I, I, there's, thankfully, on the YouTube video, it has a little bit of the Christ of the Redeemer yeah. and it pan, pans in to seeing some kind of things that look like rowing So she's kind of, she knows I row and things like that. And that's daddy's job and stuff. But um, yeah, anyway, Rio wouldn't be it because it just, it wasn't, it wasn't a nice course to be on. Like, it's a course. Uh, Egg Ballet, probably. Lots um, of people. A lot. Yeah, maybe third or fourth. I've been say. twice there, and both times really, really cool, really special. Um, Sorvessa, like nothing compares to that. That's that that feeling in that place. Um, it becomes like weirdly like home because you go, and it, even though you go to Sierra Nevada so much more, it yeah. feels like Sierra Nevada because you're there for. It's in Silverado, you're there for two weeks of solid training, nothing's no getting away. Whereas I think Sierra Nevada kind of feels like you're not quite as isolated. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Silverado is special. Um, where else? Um, I think those would be two main ones. Yeah, not where it all began. Inverness. Yeah, like I mean, Inverness is like. I'm always going to argue it's the best training venue in the world. Correct. <laughs> the canal, like it's got, it's quite, it's, it's relatively narrow and it's sheltered. So like on the, when the, it's blowing a hoolie, when it's like fully, fully going, you can still get in the water in the canal. Like it's, it's really good, but that can come with a bit of a downside in that you're never going to be good in yeah. rough cod conditions. So yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Inverness is incredible. And I've been to, there's a few locks in Scotland I've been to that have been unreal, but uh, in terms of special like place in, in my heart, I guess the yeah Eckbolet and uh, Poznan to a degree, but it was only because of the outcome mm. of that of that race. It was a special one. Um, not that it was a particularly nice or pretty course. I mean, it's kind of cool. It's got like the zoo right behind. There's got yeah, like, it's got that, like you got that um, snowboarding or skiing thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And they I never went on that. Sorry. Um, yeah, you, I mean, you went there to race. But. I, I saw it and I would be like, yeah, that looks cool. And then never got a chance to. So. Uh, what's the next one you ask? Okay, so the next question I would like to ask is if you were to do a race again when you're 60 or 70, what would it be and why? Like the event or the race itself that you'd like to go back in time? What well, something I did do, but experience exactly how I did before. No, it, Maybe if you want to have it that way, or the race that got away that you'd like to have another go at, or for example, if you particularly enjoy, I don't know, Inverness Head, you might want to go back and race at that venue again. But if there was one particular uh, like race that you've done and you'd like to do again, that could also work. Um, first one that came to mind is a bit rogue, but um, it would probably be like there was a pairs race I did it in the Commonwealth Championships. Um, so Andy Holmes and I went over there. It was in Canada, uh, Welland, really weird place. Mm-hmm. It's like right next to uh, Niagara Falls, um, which is also a weird place. But um, 
I uh, sorry to the Canadian rowers watching if they're from there, but I uh, yeah we did we we were doing this I think did you did Commonwealth as well I did a small routine yeah yeah um, they did it so you had two he- two heavyweights two lightweights yeah. and then you kind of did multiple races yeah um, sprint racing and two K racing and the first race we did was um, a pair. And Andy and I hadn't been going that well on the pair. Like we'd, we'd been out in it, but it's been okay. And the double was like so good; it felt amazing. And uh, I hadn't really had a chance to row with them before that point, and um, got really well with them, fellow Scott. Um, so uh, really excited to do that race. We jumped in this pair, and I I remember going off the start and thinking, oh, I'll just smash it off the start, see what happens, like see if we can hang on and or like how long we can hang on for and we kind of went off the start and we're like quite a bit in front i was like this is epic and um i thought i'm just gonna put the boot in and get the k see what happens and um went past the marker and i could have sworn it was the k it was obviously it was a 500 and so i put them the boot in thinking it was the third 500 then get i actually look at the sign properly and it says a thousand meters so i'm like Thinking it's 500 to go, but I actually just realised I've got a 1,000 to go and it's a headwind and these Australians are literally right next to us and like we can't like break the rope, break the string, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And just they would not go away. And I was just burning it, burning it, burning it, burning it. And it was just one of those, you know, you get those races where you just feel like you never one stroke let off. Never one stroke. You were like on the edge the whole way. That was one of the ones that I remember being at. That and probably the uh, Egg Berlet race yeah. and the World Champs, the two where I feel like I was redlining it the whole way from start to finish. And nice. the we got we got the win by a bow ball in the. It was uh, whoa! You you drove Andy, it home. Yeah, in the in the pair. Yeah, we yeah. just 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 got it, and um, Andy. We finished, and. There's a picture of him, or a video of him looking at them as we're crossing the line, and he he was he was certain that he got it when we crossed the line, and I was like, "You sure? You sure? Yeah, we're sure, we're sure." And then we got the photo finish afterwards. I was like, "Mate, there was no way you could be sure. Can't be sure. No <laughs> way you could be sure about that." He's like, nah, "I had it." Had it. He, he, he he was softly like just just doing enough to get it. Mate, we could have had that one way more. Uh, but anyway, um, that was a really good one. Fair enough. Uh, my question always is if you could travel back in time to the kid, the age you were when you really first fell in, totally fell for the sport and thought that this was something you wanted to do, what piece of advice would you give that kid? Um, yeah, just I think just, just keep loving it. Lean into the, the love for a sport. Lean into... The, the people around you and the the way they make you feel um yeah surround yourself with people that are are kind of contributing to you being better and and yeah just take every opportunity to um to learn sounds kind of boring no not at all kind of just, yeah. fantastic advice I, fantastic. yeah i don't I think for me in hindsight, the more kind of age and this is like Alex's point, the older I get, the better I was. But I I look back and actually it's um I feel very privileged to have got to where I've got to and um uh, I know I know I was. I don't just feel it. Um and yeah, to be able to 
have conversations with people with that I w- otherwise would never have a chance of meeting in the real world because they're like from different backgrounds or whatever and being this podcast and having like so much to talk about for like three hours whatever it is been chatting and um and it, it meaning just as much to me as it does to them and uh having so many connections in the sport i know my missus gets upset not upset frustrated i think when um she goes to rain events and the first question people ask is are you a rower and it's just one of those like environments where generally speaking if you go to a rowing event you're, you're pretty well connected or you're a rower mm. yourself um and uh yeah obviously this it'd be nice if she didn't feel like she had to be a rower to be in that connection but um in that pool of that sphere i guess but equally it's nice to know that like the most important thing when you go to Henry Regatta and you bump into someone in the bar is like, where do you come from? Let's like, let's find common ground about where we where we started off or yeah. where we're rowing or what's your club, what's our blazer. Like, it's I never time. would have been in that in that kind of. I don't know if it, there's elements of elitism in it, and I know British rowing are trying their best to kind of stamp that out, but you can't deny the fact that part of the beauty of it is feeling like you're part of a cool club like it's, it's cool, cool because it's, it's something you care about it's a cool club but again we've probably mentioned it but it's no one's half in yeah like you either don't do it or you can love it yeah and it's your lifestyle and you build your job and your career and and your kids and your childcare and everything around it and like that's the gang i want to be and i want to be around people who love what they do and yeah like, that's why it's such a special place to be I think. yeah Awesome. No, that was a that was a great answer. I've just got one more question, and I think I know the answer to this one. But based on the conversation we've had today, but who are some of your rowing idols or the people you've looked up to during your rowing career? What have I what have I said today that makes you think you know what I'm going to say? Oh, you say it first, and then I'll tell you who I thought it was. Oh no! Nice. Um, I don't know. Like, this this, this, like this is the hardest one, though. But, uh, genuinely, this is the one I was struggling with most because I was like, like I personally idolized like uh, Rob Waddell. Like I yeah. remember watching him as a single scholar and being like, I will never be that. That is epic. He <laughs> is an absolute monster, and he and everything he's done in the sport and then afterwards, from everything I've heard, he's like immaculate. He's like the perfect character, perfect like pinup guy, um, like role model and everything. So like in terms of like someone you look up to, what that would be incredible to be. That yeah, that would be my one of the, the many idols that I idolized for a long time. But there's like countless people that I've uh, looked up to. Um, I mean, people that are like raw talent in the team, like Langers. I was thinking, looking at that guy, I think, how are you so good? like just so effortlessly good and i'm just so casual about it um but then you get people who are like on tiran was another one that i was i remember jumping the first time i jumped in a boat and was like astounded at how strong someone was when i was in a boat with him i was in the bow seat of a cox four he was in the three seat and the cox were just paddling down this is before i got on the team or anything uh, under 23 or FISU training or something like that and uh, the cops said oh yeah, we just need to a bit harder on both sides um, I think it was some steering issue or something like that 
you literally did one stroke and pulled it round. But from the three seat in a Cox four, and I, I've never, I never experienced anyone being that strong. So like, there's loads of times and people done weird things that yeah. have been like strikingly like phenomenal. Like Stan did a pairs matrix in 2014, which um, uh, I thought I did really well in. It was like half a second off liners, but then Tiran turned out and uh, beat everyone by like. Or was it like eight seconds? Right. Um, but I was in my mind. I'm like, if if it wasn't for T right, I'd be like, this is an absolute perfect. Like, no, I never would have expected to be that close to liars. But yeah, that that one of those races was, was Stan and um, paddled with him beforehand. It wasn't that good. I remember thinking, is this it? Is this, is this what everyone's talking about? Did the race? I went off a start thinking, this is okay. And you just kept going. And not like it was like crazy high in the rate, but you literally just picked up the boat every single stroke. And this guy in front of me is like, not that big. And I'm like, how are you how are you creating this much power and still going? And like, this feels easy for me. I, I don't want to work harder because I feel like I want to mess it up. Yeah. Um But no, I could, I in terms of uh people that have um yeah, impressed the most on me. Um, just the ones that have, have like been a and or kind of gone through similar things to me, like Stu with his injury, and um, like latterly, like I genuinely have so much um, admiration for my partner Steph. Like she's gone through so much stuff uh, with her health, and still like grafting, still like being an incredible person for for me and uh, our daughter, and. Um, like my parents, like they were amazing for me, and, and and allowing me to do a sport that was had no real end to it. And th- th- like I'm sure at one point they were like, oh, "Should we say something to him? Like this, <laughs> this is getting ridiculous now." And he's he's in his thirties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they um, but no, they didn't. They did. They, they like they've always just supported me, and um, for a number of years earlier on, they financially supported me and. Um. Yeah. Till the end, they've they've continued to. So, um. And yeah, like all my the friends that I've I've found in the way. Like just so many times where I've, I've I wouldn't say I've ever needed to reach out. And I've had the next episode when we can talk about kind of the next Olympiad and struggles I had and maybe stuff after finishing rowing. But um. Yeah, like there were so many times where I. I would see people moving on from the sport and 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 struggling, and then but still making time for me to, to like wanting to me to, to see me do well, like chatting to you in the in the boat bay or in the in the workshop, and um, feeling a little bit guilty that I'm still on the team and you're like doing your road gear thing and doing well with it, but equally knowing in my heart, like I know he would love to be here, but you still saying all the things that made me feel like I was. I was still in the right place, and I should keep going. And if it were anything, it was it was more important that I did for you than to like show any kind of not pity is a horrible word, but like showing anything other than happiness that you want me to go go further. So um, Dave as well, like that, the stuff he said at the end of the podcast, like it, it like stunned me. And then I was um, yeah, like there's so many people that I've. I, a lot of a lot of my I love to and um, 
we'll never be able to pay it back, but um, they've been the biggest influence on yeah. of my of my career. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. Like, just you just all you can do is what you know your best. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, and like for yourself or anyone else, for those people around you, and um, yeah, it's been wicked to speak to you and, and learn about a journey. And yeah, from my perspective, like I'm sure you see now, you know, when you're in the team and you're part of it and you're struggling, it's horrible. As soon as I left, I could be so happy for you guys. Like, fuck yeah, like I was getting it. Like, let's have it. Like, so happy when it when I wasn't in the mix. You know, it wasn't my seat anymore. I'm moving on, and I'm happy. Like you said, like product of everything, and Rogue has been going really well. And, so well that we get to sit down and talk to incredible people all the time now. So, no regrets. Like we we all went for it and we all got yeah we all got what we deserved from it. I guess yeah. that was that was a that was a fantastic answer. And like it's so hard to like actually really name all the people that that have contributed to like the success because it's not just the the one polished performance. It's you know the, all the sums of the collective that's gone into like producing that. So I wanted. I, I thought you were going to say Steve Williams, just just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I was in all of his guns, though. He had the the best, the best arms. Well, we saw him last yeah. week. He's still looking. He's good. still looking. He's jacked. not looking big, but okay. like he had he's still... the biggest forearms. Yeah, like, yeah. Still looking Absolutely. good. Yeah. He said he said that looked quite big as well. <laughs> I'll take that. He said you look big. Yeah, yeah. Because he used to you know you as a skinny little sixteen. Yeah. You know, actually, genuinely, there was one. That was one of the uh, moments where I, one of the few moments in my career where I was like, I've done something here. Was when I was in the gym. It was off season. I was doing some beach weights. Steve Williams came in and just, man, you're looking big. And I was like. <laughs> Steve Williams thinks I look big. No doubt. That has made my year. <laughs> I don't care that I, I didn't get a Henley medal. That doesn't matter because Steve Williams I, thinks I look big. I can retire happy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's, that's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's been so incredible to talk to you. We've, Tom and I have spoken about like doing this for, for a while. Like Even way before this podcast has started, like, we always said we needed to come and speak to you. Your story is great, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to like when we're going to continue it. Yeah. And yeah, I wish you all the best with San Andrews and rowing this year and all your ergs are ready to go. And obviously, yeah, uh, re ready for the beating. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really just excited to, to, to see like what's, what's going to come out of here and also the beat sprints as well. I yeah. think, I think there's some really exciting times ahead. And, uh, yeah, just thank you so much for being so supportive of the podcast right from the get go. It's yeah. been incredible and honestly, definitely pushed us on to, to do. To, to keep creating this like having having had the support from from day one so thank you i appreciate that no I, i'm i'm yeah so happy to uh like I, I didn't actually expect to be invited on um well when i first messaged i was like oh, i'd love to chat to tom about stuff and um he had a few people on i was like these are good these are really good tom has like nailed this i don't know what where he's got practice from it because he's like he's good at this he's both so good at this but um, just chat to this guy <laughs> yeah all day every day yeah. um and yeah you've got some great great guests on so far and i'm sure there'll be way more so um some good ones coming look, i'm more than happy to chat again maybe give it a bit of time because you probably had enough of my scottish <laughs> accent <laughs> on the spotify for a while but um, yeah hope thanks for the ergos and safe trip back cheers yeah no amazing um yeah awesome to, awesome to share this journey and I, yeah like i said world class and i think um i think what proves you're such an incredible rare is your your results both in sculling and sweep and in small boats like you've had some epic results in pairs 
top three winning winning trials like you know and obviously against the pan rio like you can't hide in the middle of an eight like i did you know i did a lot of <laughs> i did a lot of hiding in the middle of an eight but um you can't hide in a pair in a single uh just world class i'm like awesome awesome to see uh an awesome example of what happens if you keep going for the right reasons like you said for for the love of the sport so um super happy to sit down with you and yeah when you messaged me and was like oh yeah i said look let's do it and i was, thanks for thinking of me yeah right, you've only gone to the olympics like of course i have you on the bloody episode we only came up together and then you went to the bloody olympics like <laughs> get on here mate <laughs> you're cool. always yeah. yeah awesome nah thank you so much and on that note easy there cue the music <laughs>